Coming up, a lot of Belichick, a lot of NFL. This is a part one of an unexpected part two next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Duncan. I love Duncan. Duncan just dropped a new kind of energy. They call it sparked energy. I mean, they have peach sunshine. I'm a huge peach guy. Like peach with drinks, I feel like is one of the most underrated drink combo kind of starter things that we have. Well, in this case, these are delicious. They're packed with caffeine and vitamins and minerals that give me the energy I need to get through the day. And a medium is $3 now through March 19th. So drop by and get Sparked by Duncan. Sparked energy drinks are fruit flavored, contain 0% fruit juice. Beverages contain caffeine from caffeine and guarana. Participation may vary. Limited time offer, terms apply. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I put up a new rewatchables on Monday. We did Flight, me and Van Lathan and Chris Ryan. This is going to be a two-part podcast, everybody. Uh, it's not every day that the greatest football coach of all time, who also happened to be my favorite coach uh, of my favorite team, is moving on. So we talked about it with Mike Lombardi, talked about it a little with Peter Schrager as well. And then Schrags and I talked about um, the six NFL games. Talked about that with Lombardi too. This is just two plus hours of football. So had a little audio accident on my end. My first one in 2024. Unbelievable. My cord got a little yanked out of my recorder for the Schrager part. So we had to use the Zoom audio for that. Sorry about that. Go check out youtube.com slash Bill Simmons as well because I've been putting up little shorts this week. I've been having actually fun because I walk around, I try to get exercise and uh, lately, I've been grabbing my iPhone and mailing things, and then we're just putting them up as YouTube shorts, including a two-part trade to save the Golden State Warriors that's up there right now. All right, we're going to bring in Mike Lombardi, and we're going to talk football. And then for part two, that's going to come up later tonight, probably late, late night, because Joe House is in town because we're filming Ringer Wise Guys for FanDuel TV on Saturday and on Sunday. So Joe House is here. We're going to watch Suns Lakers, and we're going to talk NBA late night and then I'm going to put million-dollar picks at the end of that, and that's going to be part two. This is part one. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, I forced this guy to come on the podcast, Mike Lombardi, who had a root canal today and was had to do his shows after. He's beaten up, but uh, it's not every week that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban um, leave their jobs within 24 hours, and you worked with both. But the Belichick thing, we knew this was coming. I actually liked that it wasn't like dragged out and let's try to see if we can get a pick. And she's like, man, you were here 24 years. Go if you want to keep coaching, go somewhere else. 
anything surprise you about how all this played out? No, I, I think I think the best thing about it was that both had the vision of what do we want to be like in five years? Like, where are we going to be? Like, we don't want this to be an ugly divorce where, you know, we can't figure out where the kids want to go to college and how we're going, you know, like, let's just be mature and appreciate that five years from now, you'll be back here, I'll be here, and we can honor you correctly. And I think that was the intent of it. And I think it came out genuinely that way. How does the Belichick thing evolve? Because you've watched this happen a few times with football. Like we saw Joe Gibbs go back to Washington and it didn't go well the second time. Yeah. But now as the years pass, everyone's like, Joe Gibbs, one of the greatest coaches. The Bel- I personally think the last four years will kind of, kind of fade away with the Belichick era and will concentrate on the whole Brady run. But at the same time, I do feel like, I do feel like legacy standpoint, if he does take over a good team and he does have a little more success and maybe wins that one last Super Bowl, I think that last Super Bowl helped Brady in a weird way with Tampa. It separated it. He did something that wasn't tied with Belichick. And do you think that drives Belichick at this point or does he not care? I, I think he cares about performance. He he loves process, but I think he cares about performance. And I think to me, I wrote this in my book, you know, there's, there is a section of, and it's not going to apply to Bill, but there's that my second stint is killing my first stint problem with coaches, right? Hank Stram goes from Kansas City. Let's matriculate the ball down the field. He goes to New Orleans. It's a disaster. George Seifert goes from San Francisco to Carolina. Disaster, right? Mike Shanahan goes from Denver to Washington. Not a disaster, but not very good, right? So that second stint, and I think it becomes harder the second time, especially if you try to repeat what you did the first time. And I think what you see with Belichick, whether it's the Brady offense in 2000 for the one for the first Super Bowl to when they won it in, nine, in the last one, things evolve and have changed over time. And what won't change, though, Bill, what won't change, and I think people misread this, is how to build a team is never going to change. You need accountability. You, you, need, you need coaches that will develop talent. You need to be on the cutting edge of of motivating the players. So I don't think that's going to get old. I don't really do. I think you and I were the only two people on the planet who thought the Patriots actually could have been like 10 and 7 or 11 and 6 with, with real quarterback. Yeah. Their defense was yeah. legitimately good. They never gave up explosive plays. They lost Judon and Gonzalez. Like part of me wonders, I still think he can have a good defense. And if you give him pieces... You know, it's just the the question of who's running the offense and then who's the quarterback. He had the worst quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, well, let's say this. Just hypothetically, let's say if he if this team had Dante coaching the line, had Josh as the offensive coordinator, what would it have looked like? You yeah. Know, I think it looks a little different. I think that we don't put enough into that, right? And I'm not blaming, you know, anybody. O'Brien, but I think yeah. That Bill O'Brien or Adrian Clem. But I think there was, you know, in any sport, there's always a production and design problem, right? The production problem is, you know, the the coach feels that's the players. Do we have enough players? The design problem, are we using the players well, right? Atlanta Falcons, for example, they think they have a great, a lot of great players, but it's the production that's killing, holding them back. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But like New England, 
I think part of their issue was both. They had a production problem. They didn't get a backup quarterback. I mean, they Bailey Zappi this summer was a disaster, and they yeah. didn't answer that. And even though everybody knew Mac wasn't playing well, by week three of the season, Mac was killing them. They they had nobody to turn to. Now that's the fault of the that's the production issue, right? And so it's hard to evaluate the design when you can't get the quarterback to make a play. So I, I think it's a little bit of both in so, certain cases. Wait, wait, hold on. And, don't don't forget about the worst kicker in the league who you draft in yeah, the fourth round who right. cost them three games. At least. And how many more? You know, yeah. how many more? I mean, not only did they love giving the ball away offensively, they love missing field goals. Yeah. Which are turnovers too, right? So yeah, I, you know, so that I, I think if they would have had a little different setup, but the design of the team by the staff, which I think everybody plays a part in. And I think that's what we saw today. I don't think this was a a divorce of it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. I think there was a collaboration of fault, if you will. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's time to go. And I just wonder, like, you know, they have this third pick coming. If he wanted to rebuild from the bottom and do it in New England, you could argue, all right, what if what if Jaden Daniels is awesome and with the defense and Judon Gonzalez come back and use some other picks, you could be good right away. And then I see some of the jobs open. It's like Atlanta and Washington and Carolina doesn't even have a pick and the Chargers who have no salary cap room. It, it's not a better situation than he was already in with the Patriots. And it makes me think, yeah. is he in that Parcells mode of in the 2000s when Parcells took the Dallas job? It's like, why are you taking this job? I'm taking it for money and because I have a chance to actually win the Super Bowl. I, I didn't think this initially, but now I'm thinking like, does he, is he just kind of wait to see what Super Bowl roster he could inherit? And we'll know after round one, round two, somebody from round one and round two who seems like they're in a good spot might not be in two weeks. Here's what I think we're really, everybody's making a huge mistake on. I think to me, Everybody looks at this very linear. What jobs are open? And there's another lane to that, right? What jobs could be open next year? Okay? Because that's the lane that should be really interested. Are you saying because a year from now? A year from now. If, if your coach is – if you're sitting – if you're an owner or a general manager and you're sitting in the room saying, the guy's going to have to win next year and he's gone. And Bell – this to me – I know we're talking Belichick, but I've never seen it. Maybe you have in basketball. I haven't seen it in football where this is a generational opportunity. You've got you know what, you know what here's an Steve Kerr in the Warriors when he took over that 14, 15 Warriors. I think that's one of the only times I can remember somebody walking into a, a ready-built championship situation. But look at it from the other side. How many times have you seen this many great coaches available in a free market industry? You, right. could, you could hire Harbaugh, you could hire Vrabel, you could hire Belichick. And Pete Carroll, if he wants to coach. And you could hire Pete, he wants to coach. So you got four guys that have above a 58% winning percentage that you could hire. Harbaugh's 71% in the NFL. You know, I don't know if Vrabel's at 50 over that, but he's close. And at the last two years, hurt him, Belichick Wait, and Pete. You're not including Frank Reich, right? He's not no, in the I'm floor. not including Frank Wright. No. Okay, so, just want to make sure. You're right. So now you have a chance to do that. So <laughs> really, to me, I call this a generational opportunity because, you know, Kennedy used to say this all the time. He said the Chinese have two brushstrokes for the word crisis. One brushstroke stands for danger. The other stands for opportunity. 
to me, what looks like a crisis for some teams today could be a great opportunity because you're never going to have this many great coaches available. So if now I know this makes no sense at all because they're tremendous. But if you're the Jets owner and you have Robert Sala, who you've watched coach for 50 some games. And oh, he, did, he went seven and 10, though. I mean, come on, Mike. They didn't have a quarterback, unlike I, I the, no other team was in a situation like them. I know that. So why would you make a change? Yeah, why? Or, he's fine. Why would you change that? So but to me, <laughs> I think there's a great opportunity. Like, that's where we're missing the boat. Like, if the job of any owner or any general manager is, what can I do to improve my team today? And if I have to remember, now this is a great one. The great Leon Hess. I don't know if Hess Oil was up in Boston when you were growing up, but he he started Hess Oil. He was a billionaire, wonderful human being, wonderful human being. But he had the same scenario. He had the same situation. He loved Rich Coketite. Don't ask me how, but he thought he was his son. And so when he had the opportunity to hire Rich Coketite when he got fired after taking the 7-2 Eagles out of the playoffs, okay, he fired Pete Carroll to hire Rich Kotite. He was thinking the right way, wrong guy. Wrong guy, right? Never. Get, but to league, we just think we're the openings. I don't know where this is going to go because as the no one's fully declared themselves because these coaches have never been in the market before. I mean, go through it. If you were if you're a team that's in the middle of the road and you know, like just actually make the list the other way. John Harbaugh's not getting fired. You wouldn't replace Sean McVay. You wouldn't replace Kyle Shannon, Andy Reid, D'Amico Ryan. It's like, I wouldn't replace Kevin O'Connell because I think he's a good coach. But if you're Green Bay, would you replace Matt LaFleur for a chance to get one of these guys? Right. Would you? I mean... Well, what about I, Buffalo? What, ha- what happens if Buffalo looks like shit in the Pittsburgh game and then loses in round two? And it's like, we well, have Josh Allen. How many more years are we going to waste here? Yeah, like I, I'm not trying to get anybody fired, but I think I'm trying to change the mindset of the way people look at these openings. When you yeah. have this many good coaches out there, right? When you have this many, there's no time it's ever going to happen again. It's it's the it's the it's the solar eclipse of coaches. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, you know, and so you got to take advantage of it. There's great opportunity here. Like if I'm Jacksonville, right, and, and I underachieved as a team, because don't tell me you have it. I have a quarterback that's underachieving. I got to pay him $100 million. I got to pay him $200 million. I can't not sign him. If yeah. I'm Shaq Khan, do I say, maybe I should go get Jim Harbaugh? Maybe that takes care of all my problems. Or do I say, I hope Dougie's going to be able to do it? Well, meanwhile, you have a bunch of jobs open and none of them are totally appetizing. They all come with either you don't have a QB or you don't have a first-round pick or you're have salary cap trouble, even a job like Vegas, they're already paying like $80 million to all these other coaches Right. on top of like, they don't have a shitload of talent. Um, I think Atlanta is probably the most interesting job to me because I do think they have talent on both sides of the ball and they're only missing the quarterback piece. And maybe you could get lucky with the quarterback, but the more interesting teams to me are the teams that are still in it. Like if Dallas flames out, what if the Packers beat Dallas? What if Buffalo loses in the first two rounds? Um, what if Philly loses to Baker Mayfield on Monday night? Like there's, there's variables and we owe it. We're always like, oh my God, I can't believe that guy got fired. It happens every year. Somebody gets fired every year coming out of the first two rounds. And then if it's like a ready-made roster, 
and you have your choice of these plug and play dudes. Harbaugh's younger, so he has a chance, like if he really wants to build something, you know, you go to Washington, it's the second pick, new owners. This is now a six year, I can, I can build up rent. But Carroll's in his 70s. Belichick's going to be 73. Like, I, I can't imagine they want to build something for the next four or five years. Or am I wrong? I think that, that what he would do is build an organization. Like, Arthur Blank has always gone big game hunting. Yeah. I mean, he tried to get Joe Gibbs. He tried to get Parcells many times. And, you know, and Belichick, see, the beautiful thing about hiring someone like Belichick or Vrabel is they're going to lay an infrastructure down for your team that will withstand forever. See, what we're about to learn is what was once the Cleveland way, which then became the Patriot way, which then became the LSU, Alabama way, Michigan State way and really confirmed into the Patriot way, we're going to find out if it's the Belichick way or if it truly is the Patriot way, right? We're going to find that out. And the next team that gets Bill will will have that way. And so that way, if it's done correctly and it's taught correctly, it has sustainability. Let's go back to Parcells. Jerry hires Parcells for two reasons, which I thought were two reasons. I think it ended up being one. He gains Parcells in because he needed credibility and he needed a stadium. You bring Parcells in, he built that stadium for Jerry, right? Yeah. And I thought he was, and I thought he was going to help, but I probably think he did. I bet you Stephen Jones would say being around Parcells for three or three years really taught him a lot about the game, and that helped them sustain success. I think if you bring Belichick in, they're going to have the sustainable infrastructure that if you're smart, you can let it run. You can let it continue to go. And it's a plug and play thing if you get the right guy there. Is it fair to say Vrabel's the number one draft pick because of his age and the fact that he's had real success already, but he's maybe not even the coach that he's going to be four years from now? If you're, if you're a team that really wants to build something for the next 20 years. I mean, Vrabel could, yeah. Vrabel could his next job, he could still be there in 2040. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's I, I think Harbaugh is a hot commodity because seventy one percent winning percentage. Yeah. See, what happened to Vrabel is the same thing that happened to Harbaugh. Let's not forget this now. Harbaugh's in San Francisco, okay, and Trent Baalke's the general manager, and they're having conflict between the two. The universal conflict: the players are better than yeah. you know all that crap, right? And so Harbaugh just leaves and goes to Michigan. The Forty ers let that happen. They were tired of Harbaugh. They were tired of all that crap. They promote the great Jim Tomasula, which you probably made a lot of money betting against them. I love so, that. Right. And then then they had fired Tomasula after a year and hired Chip Kelly. And then they fired Belkey and they had to give bring Kyle Shanahan in. Tennessee's about to go through the same thing, right? Because everybody thinks I can replace him. Everybody thinks he's replacing well, Amy him, Adams he's want, Amy Adams wants her team back. Yeah. She's, not, she's excited to run her own organization now. She doesn't need Mike Vrabel. She's got Rand Carthon. I mean, it's like we're going to go out to the field and we're just going to start pulling lettuce out. Like, there's not a lot of good coaches. <laughs> like, right? Like, well, there's not a lot of good coaches. Are there so, good like, coaches that want to co- want to coach Will Levis? Well, the, she in the press release, she announced him as the good player. Like, mm. you talking about a delusional press release. You talking yeah. about somebody who's, I mean, you walk in there, I got to make him a player? No. So I, I think with Brable, what he proved is Brable can Brable is going to get better. Harbaugh is going to get, to, but they both have to be in the right situation. If you go back and read the education of a coach, 
by Halberstam on Bill. There's a quote in there that Halberstam writes that when Belichick left Cleveland, any job he was going to take, which is why that famous press conference occurred, I won't be the NY, I won't be the HC of the NYJ, is because he wanted to install his culture. And everybody thinks, like people are saying, well, if you hire Belichick, you can't let him do personnel. He's because you can't let him run everything. Well, it, you got to let him run the culture. Like you got to let the coach run the culture. And if the general manager and the coach aren't on the same page, you don't have a culture. You don't have what you have was what you hear when you were growing up. What did you hear about the Patriots with Dick Steinberg? Great team, great athlete. They couldn't win shit. Right. Well, that's because Steinberg was bigger than the program and the coach could never set the culture. And so that's the problem. Bel the next job Rabel takes, the next job Belichick takes, the next job Harbaugh takes, the owner is going to have to say, you run the culture. And like Washington doesn't appear that way. Washington's got more people involved in the interview process than than anybody. I mean, they, you know, they could run. They have the Merv Griffin show, the Mike Douglas. They got a bunch of people doing interviews. <laughs> if they they have it in Hollywood squares. It's nine squares and three rows, and the coach comes in and he just talks he goes to the all nine the way around. I mean, like yeah. I never see anything like it. Like like who like when you have that many people, you're interviewing that many people involved. Doesn't the owner, isn't he supposed to say, this is what my team looks, this is what I want my team to be. If you're Arthur Blank and you call Bill on the phone and you say, Bill, I want you to build a sustainable organization that here's is money. built on the... Yeah, here's here the check. Right. Here's here's $100 million for six years, please, or $130 million for six years. Please build me a sustainable something. Yeah, I mean, because like the, the money's not an issue anymore. These owners, are, they're making so much money with the cap right. and everything. So are the players. So Saban had a quote that I thought really jumped out to me. And it's something that confirmed some of my, some of my Belichick feelings his last 10 years. When he said, did you read the quote where he said, I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, at age 72, I could still do the 14 hour workdays, but I can't stay on top of everything the same way I could when I was age 62. Like he, he's basically admitted, like, I can still put in the work. I'm just, I don't feel like I'm at the same level of detail and, you know, I'm getting older, you're getting older. You, you can see it. Um, is it realistic to think people can coach NFL teams as they hit their mid seventies? Like really like Marv Levy was the only one I think who stayed yeah. on that late. Vermeil maybe got old, but for the most part, it's like really unusual. I think the band, he has to have the right band with him. Like I think Nick, Nick went through a lot of coaches. You know, and, and I think what we saw at the end of Bill's reign was he lost a lot of the people that he needed around him. Yeah. And I think those, you know, like the thing is, is most people in Tennessee, I think most people in New England are really not going to know everything that Bill did until he's gone. Because there's so much shit he took care of that Tennessee that you just, you took for granted. And yeah. I think when you start to lose allies within the building, you know, and, you know, he thought that he could do it with some of the guys that they brought in. It didn't work and they have to take responsibility for it. But I think that's I think they can still do the job. I just think they need more people around them that understand who they are. So you're saying like it was like, they do it. like Michael Corleone, Godfather, too, when he's down to like Al and right. Connie. And that's like that's his right. brain trust all of a sudden because he's even pushed out Tom. It's like, Tom, you're out. Can, and there's know. nobody around that he can rely on that he can trust. Remember, 
And it's a great analogy. Remember when he gets shot, the only person he really can trust is Hagen. So he calls him in there. And at this moment, I'm making you the Don because you're the only one I can completely trust. But yeah. when you start losing those loyal people, you know, and you that don't understand really the essence of the program, then you lose a little bit of the details. That's why the the band kind of, that's why the E Street Band still makes great music. They all stay together. That's why the Rolling Stone, you know, it's that you got to stay together. I'm sure they wouldn't be the same if they had to start changing all these parts. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break and then a uh, little more on Belichick and then we'll quickly talk games. When it comes to the NFL playoffs, you've got to win one game at a time. But when you bet the NFL playoffs on FanDuel, one game can mean a lot of wins. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and they have all your favorite bets like the money line and the spread, plus all sorts of prop bets. We'll be covering all of it when we get to part two of the BS podcast. But we are doing a little special. Sal and I combined, remember we were talking about the Shakey's game and Matt Schaub on Sunday's pod. Well, we combined for a little Shakey Schaub parlay for Cleveland and Houston. Njoku 50 plus receiving yards, Flacco two plus passing TDs, Flacco 200 plus passing yards, Cleveland to win first half and the game. That's over five to one right now on FanDuel. They have a lot of great stuff like that. And remember, six NFL playoff games this weekend. FanDuel giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay. That means when you combine all your bets for a chance for a bigger payday, you'll get bonus bets back if your SGP does not win. Visit FanDuel.com slash BS. If you don't already have an account, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and president select states. Minimum three-leg parlay required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. So just to put a bow on the Belichick thing, because it's been so long, people forget stuff. I don't think people remember, realize, or appreciate how important the Bledsoe-Brady decision was in 2001, where it, he seemed insane when... Bledsoe had just gotten this $100 million contract. Bledsoe's ready to come back. Most people in the media are like, oh, he's definitely getting his job back. But yet, and I was in the minority, but I was like, Brady's playing. Why would we get rid of Brady? He's like, he's got it. Let's keep going. And Belichick's like, fuck it. I'm not, ben I'm, I'm not uh, benching Brady. Brady's still my QB. I don't think people appreciated what a difficult decision that was, but for him, not di difficult at all. You know him. Like, were you surprised? You're you're working for the Raiders at that point. You must not have been surprised at all that he was like, yeah, fuck it. We're sticking with Brady. Yeah, I think that's when you learn that that there was a there was a connection between Brady and the team, that you couldn't break that connection. Like, that wasn't a hard decision. I think in everybody's career, there's a Hall of Fame decision that you have to make, right? I mean, Kraft. You know, the, you know, Kraft made a Hall of Fame decision when I thought Kraft today at the press conference made a really, really smart, smart statement that most it, most of the owners wouldn't have paid attention to. Josh Harris probably didn't. But he said, I was a new owner and I, I didn't really know what it took. And I listened. I'm paraphrasing. And I didn't hire my with my gut the guy I wanted to hire. And it took me two years to, to stop listening to people. I think if David Tepper or Josh Harris listened to that press conference, that was the whole essence of the press conference. Well, and by the way, and he then, was talking about he hired Pete Carroll when he really wanted to hire Belichick and he didn't stick right. with his gut because everybody's like, you got to hire Pete Carroll. 
because because Drew Bledsoe's agent told him that Bill's a bad guy and blah, blah, blah. It was a thousand people. I mean, go back to read the Ian O'Connor back page of the New York Post. I mean, I mean, when Kraft hired Belichick, that was a Hall of Fame decision. He belongs in the Hall of Fame for it because that was a Hall of Fame decision that he got roasted over, that he got lambasted over. And and now his franchise is worth eight billion and and he so he paid so I, I think for Bill, you know, there's certain times where you gotta make that hard call. But that one with Brady, I think was and and I think it was Brady just connected with the team. Just like Mac Jones can't connect with the team. Right. You know? And just and like you don't how connect Flacco's with the, connecting with the Browns in a way and, like it doesn't make sense, but we know it's happening. And Watson really doesn't connect that well. Yeah. I mean, so there is that. And I think that Bill, when you look back on his career, that Hall of Fame decision is what propelled them to then go and play connected like they did. Because that team that beat the Rams and beat us in the tuck game wasn't the most talented team. No. By far. You didn't like Jermaine Wiggins? You didn't like Jermaine Wiggins as a third and three (laughs) pass receiver? I mean, but eventually they got better, but that structure allowed him to build his program. So when do you think, what stretch of this pass run did it become clear that he had a chance to become the best coach of all time to you? Well, I think when he, when he, when he won them back to back, you know, when he won, when he he won those back to back ones and, you know, he, for me, he was always the best coach. I still have the notebook here when I gave it to John Shaw and said, you should hire. I literally have a notebook that, that when John Shaw hired me to put together what, what it took to be a great coach, the notebook says either hire Bill Belichick or hire Nick Saban. He said, I can't hire Nick Saban. I just had Rich Brooks. He's a coach from Oregon. And Belichick's toxic. You can't hire him. So I knew he was always going to be a great coach. And I'm not saying that egotistically, but I knew it. Uh, well, because you worked with him and Saban in Cleveland. I so saw, you, you run under the hood nobody, with them. There were nobody. There's nobody like them. There's nobody like either one of them. And they're completely, they're truly Oscar and Felix. They're completely from different worlds, but they come together and they have such mutual respect for one another that they have such, they, they exchange ideas and it works. So, I mean, I think after he won that second Super Bowl in a row, I mean, the, the ability to recreate his team is remarkable. Yeah, you always, and we've been, you and I have been doing podcasts for a long time. The, the thing you always said about him that I love, that I just brazenly stole for the rest of the time I knew you, was how he didn't have a philosophy or a structure or like some sort of system. He was not a system guy. His system was, who's on my team this year? what's the best way we can compete with the guys I have this year? And then if you just put him on another team, he'd be like, oh, who's on this team? All right, we'll play this way. And the fact that, what do you think? 99% of coaches don't seem to understand that. That Because just about everybody's like, here's my system. Here's my philosophy. I felt that way with McVeigh this year. McVeigh looked at the Rams. He's like, oh, all right, here's my team. And he just figured we're, we're going to do, I, I have two really good receivers. Oh shit, now I have this awesome running back. And he just kind of figured it out on the fly, but next year could have been, but why don't most coaches think that way? Because they're all system-based. They're all about their system. We're going to, their system's going to work. This is what's going to work. We got to run our system. Our system will work. We got to get the players to operate within the system. And so where Belichick starts very simplistically, right? It, his whole thing is simplistically to complicate it. 
So what he does is is his system, what he installs is a base system. And then based on the week they have to play a team, it becomes complex. Where if you start complex, you can't get simple. Yeah. Nobody understands it. But if you start simple, you can become complex that week and then you change it back the other way. And then you make the other team play left-handed. I mean, think about it. You know, one of the strengths of the team should have been their pass rush, but they never could get ahead in the game to rush. Right. They could never get ahead in the game to rush. So he knew this summer his team was upside down because the strength of the team was the ability to maybe create turnovers with their multiple fronts, their multiple looks. And yet they couldn't, they couldn't get points to start the game with. So those are the hard ones. Again, it goes back to production and design. You know, when those two things are together and he does a really good job of that, here's what we want to do. It's the off season. It's like right now, this is what we have to do to win. If you're in the Atlanta Falcons organization or you're somewhere, there has to be a strategy on what it's going to take to win the division you're in. And that strategy is players and plays. Steve Kerr's in a little bit of a similar situation right now with the Warriors where, and he's not a system guy. But sometimes your collection of players doesn't work. And how do you solve it? And how do you put the right people? Like, they don't have enough size. They don't, they don't have the same kind of length and athleticism that they used to. They have this Curry thing that where he bounces off. It's like, how do you fix this? And sometimes you can't. And what, there's been some interesting Belichick seasons where he just couldn't fix it. Like, he couldn't fix the offense this year because it was impossible to fix. We had that. You know, the the Matt Castle year when that team was pretty good, they end up going, I think, 11 and five. But there was yeah. a lot of talent on that team. But fundamentally, the best player in the team was still probably Randy Moss, but he had Matt Castle as his QB. So I can right. fix this, but I can't really rig it. Um, watching him problem solve on the fly, there was the year Troy Brown was a nickelback on the Super Bowl mm-hmm. team. It's like, we need another defensive back. Right. That was kind of my favorite part of the bell check. Like he would just like scotch tape and just like thumbtacks and just kind of, uh, this is what we need to do this week. Uh, and I'll miss that the most, I think. How about Miles Bryant? I mean, here's a guy that, you know, he takes him and he moves him all over the place, ends up being one of his better players. Right. I think he has a unique ability of defining the role that he wants the player to play. And this is what you're going to do for us this week. Walsh used to do this too. When we drafted Charles Haley in 1986, you know, everybody wasn't sure what Haley could do. So one day we go out to practice and they put him in a three-point stance and he rushes and all this. Everybody's like, holy shit, this guy's really can rush. That day, Walsh called a meeting and said, look, Bill McPherson, I don't want to teach him the playbook. Just teach him how to pass rush. So this year he's going to learn how to pass rush, right? And next year we'll teach him how to do everything else. But what happens to a lot of people is they they can't define that role, you know? And sometimes for like Kerr, he, he has to try to put a Band-Aid on it because he can't, the, the design is wrong. You know, the design of the team is wrong as it relates to somebody else. And when you have a design problem, it's almost impossible to fix. You can't, you'll be good. I mean, the year they lost to Denver, the, the Peyton Manning 13 year, that might have been one of the worst teams I've ever seen. When I got there in 14 with Joe Volano in the defensive line, I mean, it was, they were not, they were, and we won the Super Bowl that year. But if you look at the moves we made through that year and then into 15 and the 16, you know, that team all of a sudden got really good. I mean, that yeah. front in 15 that lost to Denver in Denver was as good a front as they've ever had in New England. It was really good. Allen Branch, uh, Akeem Hicks. We had, you know, we had all sorts of guys. Chandler Jones. We had, 
you know, Collins. Nikovich was still good. Collins. Yeah. I mean, it was good. That was a front seven to kill all. But, you know, you just, you had, we had the problem. We didn't have a running back that year. Remember, we lost Dion Lewis. Well, didn't Gronk, we were missing Gronk that year, I think, right? Somebody no, was out Gronk that year. Got, oh, no, Gronk played. Somebody, was it Edelman? Some There was some injury that year. We, 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 lost, we had a bunch of, uh, offensive line was hurt. We had Solder yeah. was out. You know, but my point is, is sometimes you just can't. And then you have to play a certain style to win the game, right? You got to just, if we don't play this way, we're going to lose. I think that's where Kerr is. He, if he doesn't play his way, they're going to lose. So how much, how many more years do you think Belichick has in him and how important is the Shula record? Because you I and I both I, know he's, he's a pretty kind of secret stealth giant football historian. Right. And I think the yeah. record matters. And he could say it doesn't, but I don't believe him. I think because he doesn't have a lot of hobbies that the work matters. Like, I don't mm. know what he would do with himself. Like, I've, I, I've gotten emails from him in the last two days about football but nothing about what is going on in his world, you know, which is classic Bill because, you know, he'll handle that and yeah. he wants something to be handled on another end. So I think he loves the other end. He loves the work. He loves the process. He loves the building of the team, the construction of the team. Where can we fix the team? He really, the next, the title of his book should be next because everything, you know, the first, one of the first things I learned from him was, the next game is the most important. You win one, the next game is more important. I mean, that the was the famous, Brady stole that from him, right? What's your favorite Super Bowl? The next one. The next it's one. kind of the Belichick mentality. He enjoys it for like a day and then he moves moves to the next season. And then he, I've never seen a guy, I, I, I'll tell you a story. So my, my wife and I were flying, we, we just beat, we just beat the, we just beat the uh, Seattle game and we're on the airplane and I, we're sitting there and he's like two rows behind me and Scott O'Brien is the special teams coach. Now, Scotty and I go back to UNLV days. We I met him at UNLV in 1981. And that's how he kind of got into the circle. He was our special teams coach, one of the best special teams coaches in the league. He's going to retire. He's going to retire and, and stop coaching. Now, this is not even 24 hours after we win the game. Bill comes up to Scotty, and he's going over all the things that Scotty needs to do before he leaves <laughs> right. to get ready to go. Like, that's his mind. Like, it's just immediately went to the next thing. Like, and my wife looked at me and she's like, does he ever stop thinking about it? And I'm like, no, no, he never does. It's just, it, it, but you don't turn that off. That's a spigot you can't turn off. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly identify with that. What's funny is he doesn't have a quarterback basically this whole time. The Brady leaves, it's four years of Cam Newton and let's talk ourselves into Mac Jones and maximizing Mac Jones until people realize he can't really throw deep consistently. They move on and then he falls apart. And then, But now they actually are going to have a good quarterback because there's three really elite quarterbacks potentially in this draft. They have third pick. I know you like Drake May. I know you like Caleb Williams. And I know you like Jaden Daniels. Like worst case scenario, they get Jaden Daniels, but he might jump up in the combine and leapfrog at least one of those other guys. But now Belichick's leaving. It's like, no, no, we're getting a quarterback. Don't go, but he's out. Right. Yeah, that's the hard part. And then they're going to have to redefine themselves. See, yeah. when Belichick walks out that door, when he packs it all up, who's the GM? Who's handling that? Who's handling the front? Who's handling the the the, the scouting department? Who's who's training the scouts on what mm. we need as a team? Who's who's bringing everything together? Remember, Bill, the, the everybody talks about being on the same page. 
when in reality, it's never about the same page. It's about being aligned. Yeah. Everybody's on the same page until you lose a the game. Then everybody's, they go, they go to another. But when you're aligned, but who's in charge of the alignment? Who's right. in charge of the alignment? And that's what they have to replace. And they're going to have to do it with multiple people. And when you, when you do it with multiple people, everybody sees different ways to alignment. That's the hard part. Yeah, you draft Jaden Daniels. Now you have to think of every decision you make offensively is built around what his skill set is because right. it's so unique. This is something you've talked about for years with Lamar, where Baltimore kept trying to build this offense around Lamar that wasn't the perfect offense for who he was as a quarterback. And now this year, it's a much more it's explosive there. offense. And what did it take, six years before they figured it out? Yeah, and, and all you need to do is look at Lamar's throwing chart and say, okay, here it is, right? He throws the ball better in the middle of the field, so we're going to have to throw the ball. Brady, you can look at Brady, whatever, you would call Brady the greatest player of all time. He is, but if you look at his throwing chart, he wants to throw the ball in the middle of the field. Right. What used to give him the most trouble was when Rex Ryan packed the middle of the field. Yeah. You know? And so uh, you, you got to understand the quarterback, you just can't draft a quarterback and just say, okay, go play. Like Chicago's done this for three years now. They fired their offensive coordinator. And, you know, and now, okay, we're, what are we going to do with Fields? Well, it's somebody else's fault. Let me ask you this. You know, we watched Jordan Love for 17 games. We, we don't, why is it that we're always wondering what it is for Fields or some other player who hasn't showed it to us, like Trubisky when he was there or some yeah. other quarterbacks? But when somebody shows it to us right away, that's right. Like, great players show up right away. There's no Lamar. He, he took a team, and they went took him to the playoffs as soon as he got the starting job. Yeah. Why, but yet everybody says, well, you know, we got to wait for fields because he doesn't have enough good players around him. Okay. Last year, he averaged 7.1 yards per attempt. This year, he's down to 6.9. This year, he has DJ Moore. I, I'm missing this. Like I thought we were going to be able to make more plays. Uh, unfortunately, Schwartz, I think, it, you, you were on this about how Schwartz figured out a defense yeah. that Fields could not solve, and then it seems like that was replicated. I still like Fields more than some of the guys I'm watching week to week, but yeah. I, I think he they has have value. to... Yeah, he has he value. He has value. Like, he's right? better than Desmond so, Ritter. Oh, there's no question. So what what they have to do in Chicago is the same things... Those seven, those teams that are in that other lane that we're not talking about have to do. You have to compare the coaches that are out there to the coach you have. The Bears yeah. have to compare the players they could draft to the player they have. So you you have your podcast, Jam Shuffle, and you're talking the games all weekend and all these other platforms. So we can go fast on this because Peter Schrager and I are actually going to break down all the games after you. What is your favorite matchup? this weekend just as a football junkie what's the one because there's six good games i have two that i absolutely love but what's your favorite i, I mean i really am i'm intrigued i really can't wait to watch the, the what mcveigh does with the lions yeah because when you take away mcveigh's running game from them and the lions will they'll have a hard time running like in the super bowl when belichick took away the outside zone and forced mcveigh into a different kind of game what's now i think he's a great coach and i'll have an answer and then I want to see how they handle, how Campbell handles all this. So I think that's a fascinating game. I think Todd Bowles against Jalen Hurts. You know, the first game, that was the last game Philly really, you know, had a, what I call a dominating win. So there's three kind of wins you have in, in, in basically 
in, in all games in football. You have a you have a the first kind of win is dominating. The second kind of win is dictating where you eventually dictated the outcome of the game. Yeah, you're supposed you're out, supposed to win, but it didn't happen immediately. But it, it dictated out. You didn't play your best, but you won. And then the the third kind of win is the dangerous win where you won, but man, you could have easily lost. And the Eagles have a lot of dangerous wins in their collection of the, everybody's talking about their 10 wins. There are a lot of dangerous wins in there. Yeah. And I think to me, they're not the same team. And if, if Mayfield was healthy, I'd feel better about the Bucks. But how Wink Martindale attacked Hurts and how Bowles will attack them to me is an interesting strategy matchup that I'm looking forward to watching. Plus, I don't think everybody tells me Buffalo's playing better. I haven't seen Buffalo really play better. Like, even the touchdown pass that, that Allen threw, there were linemen downfield. It was an RPO. They didn't call it. That shouldn't even have been a touchdown. The one yeah. where the kid made the great catch. So I, I, I don't trust. I mean, Pittsburgh, that's too many points. The Miami game, I, I mean, look, I've been saying this about Tua forever. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, when you move him off his spot, if you just go to the EPA on dropback when the pocket's clean versus EPA when the dropback is when he's pressured, it's a completely different game. He kind of turns into Scott Mitchell at that point. Well, think about this, Bill. They played Buffalo twice, Philly, Dallas, Kansas City, Baltimore, and those six games in playoff, they're minus 91 hmm. in point differential. Minus they, 91 in point differential. Yeah, and the Dallas game was probably their best effort. Do you, would and, it and they gave up five field goals in that game, four, three of them over 54 yards. Would it shock you if Green Bay waltzed into Dallas and beat them? No, because if you go back and watch that game in 2000 last year in Lambeau Field, it was the best game Rodgers had last year. He threw 20 passes. They gained 417 yards. They did it on the ground. They had 200 yards rushing against the Cowboys. And the Cowboys had 415 yards against the Packers. They just turned it over in the red zone. That was an up and down the field game. And so I think the Packers, which are playing better, that was Christian Watson's breakout game, remember? Yeah. And and the Packers are playing better now. And how tight, you know, you're always tight in a game where you think you're going to win. But when the offense can score, you know, to me, this is a classic example of a game where I don't know if either team's going to be in control until the until the game's over when they the score. Whoever's in the lead is never going to be in control. And you're, I think you're in on the Browns, right? I, I am. I went back and watched the game they played a couple weeks ago. They were a three and a half point favorite against Houston with Case Keenum. Now they're it's down to two. Now the line moved down to two, which tells you there's money coming in on Houston, which which it makes sense. I worry about Cleveland playing good on the road defensively, but I have faith in Schwartz that I think he'll like. They did a good job of taking away Garrett in the first game. But here's what I would say: if you're taking Houston, you're saying. Well, Amari Cooper's not going to get 264 yards again on us, right? And that's what happened in the last game. Amari Cooper just had huge plays. If they make them work it down the field, it'll be interesting. Or if you're taking Houston, you're thinking, Indianapolis should have beaten them last week. Why am I doing yeah. this? Indianapolis well, left a, a playoff win on the table. I mean, there's a perfect example. I think Shane Slaken has a chance to be a really good head coach. Yeah. But he's not a head coach right now. He's a play caller. He lost them the first Cleveland game with his decision at the end of the first half. Killed yeah. Him. Gave up 10 points there. And then last week, you know, the, it, it, I mean, that was very, very, uh, that was probably as bad a game management as you're going to see. That that would have even shocked 
some of the worst game managers in the history of the game. Uh, last thing. I can't give you a Baltimore or San Francisco Super Bowl. You can remove one of the two teams or you can remove both, but you can't pick Baltimore or San Francisco. Who crashes the party if that's not the Super Bowl? If Cleveland's defense plays oh, as well as they can play. That's why I like too. Okay. Because I think defense matters now, right? I think yeah. Cleveland's defense matters. And look, it, it, I could think Buffalo could ugly get there just because they've been winning ugly. And when yeah. you look at Buffalo, they have improved their EPA, their, all that yeah. analytical in the second half of the season. But Josh Allen's going to have to play turnover free. And he look, he's the most turnover prone quarterback since 2018. Wow. Cleveland, huh? You, you can't look. Everybody talks offense, but it's defense. Why is Miami falling apart? Well, their offensive numbers have gone down. There's no question. Yeah. But they've lost too many defensive players. I mean, Vic can't work his magic as well as he could. Now he's down to – he's even lost Van Ginkle. He's lost so many guys that it's hard. The offense was always going to come back to life. That was always really an aberration that they were able to – because there was all finesse. There's no punch you in the mouth. And if they take away Tyreek Hill – I mean, two is going to have Chris Jones in his face the whole day. Favorite Tony Soprano, Gumar, would you go Valentina, Gloria, Juliana Margulies character, or the one-legged Russian? No, no. Gloria is, she's legendary. She's in a class by herself. I mean, you know, there's nobody better than Gloria. There's nobody better than Gloria. I mean, it was instantly, and she's the greatest actress for that role. I don't know if you could have cast anybody better than her. I mean, that, she is brilliant in that role. When she throws that fucking piece of steak at his ass, I mean, that, I mean, it was on all week. Lot. HBO two was showing it. I texted you. They're just showing seasons every day. And, and every night at like 11 o'clock, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to end up watching two Sopranos episodes, even though they're available on the max app. And it's I'm just banging out two a night. I mean, it's so good that and then she's so good in it. And, you know, the whole scene where they, they book the same appointment and the way oh, yeah. they set that up. And really, at the end of the day, she's the she's his mother. I mean, how they tied it all together. I thought she was great. I, I thought Valentina was a little bit of a of a, of a, of a kind of a, a I wasn't a huge fan. Well, I don't yeah. think David Chase was either because he basically set her on fire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just she just caught on fire. That was it. Uh, it is the it's the best show. We we just have to do a Sopranos podcast at at uh, some point. We just gotta There's like some, maybe do like yeah. twenty characters. Maybe during the summer we'll do like the twenty best characters or something. There's so many of them, and they and it goes, but it goes and they they kind of it changes and evolves. But you know, to me, if Tony were running an NFL team, and whether he had a coach or not, he would look at these three coaches and say, "I'm going to whack my coach and get this one." Well, Tony's a good example of what we were talking about earlier with Belichick and with Michael Corleone and Godfather too. Like he had the inner circle and then it started going sideways left and right. Right. And it just kept yeah. And then all of a sudden he had a skeleton crew and people like Bobby Bacala as like right hand people, like, you know, not, yeah. not the best. You can't. And, and you know, and look, and he's like Belichick. I mean, when he solved the Feech Lamana problem, the way he solved it, I think it's one of the great lines. We wrote about it for the Daily Coach today. You know, <laughs> what did I learn anything from Richie April? Right. And then he gets Speech Lamana in jail because he knows Speech is going to want those TVs and he gets them back and, and his hands are completely clean of any crime. 
The Sopranos and The Godfather and Godfather 2, more life lessons than really anything you could possibly find. No Just question. Every especially in this, in this league, the way it is right now, there's a ton of them. Mike Lombardi, great to see you. Uh, I'm sure you, we'll bro. have you back at least one more time for the playoffs. I, uh, so. I hope your root Thanks. canal uh, heals tonight. Good luck. <laughs> I'll be like Curly. I'll have the big giant head thing on. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Nissan SUV. It's good to stay up to date. I mean, we've seen this in basketball. We've seen it in football. We've seen it in baseball. Once the stats started taking off in the 2000s, everybody had to figure that out. Then I remember in basketball, first it was three-pointers. Then it was defensive stats. You just got to keep moving. You got to keep evolving. You got to keep going. Now it's pace and threes. What's it going to be next, big guys? That's why the 2024 Nissan Rogue has Google built right into its 12.3-inch touchscreen infotainment system. With Google Maps Assistant and more, you can stay up to date on everything that's ahead without even needing to connect your phone. Find your next adventure with the Nissan SUV. Learn more about the Rogue, Pathfinder, and Armada SUVs at NissanUSA.com. All right, the playoffs are here. Our original good luck charm from, what was it, the year the Bucks won the Super Bowl? We won on that 2020, crazy baby. 2020 yeah. COVID in a basement. Peter Schrager is here. The playoffs are here. We have six games. We've had unbelievable coaching drama. We have all these openings. We're going to... Do the games first and then hold the coaches stuff and all Peter's inside info stuff for near the end. There's too much to talk about. This it's is amazing. Be a little, wait, we've got to acknowledge Belichick though. We got to acknowledge. I mean, how well, you the, feeling? Do the, you do feeling? the Giants fan, do the Giants fan perspective on Belichick <laughs> stepping down. He's a great, great Patriots coach who happened to win some games, but lost two very important um, big games in Super Bowls to underman Giants teams. So it's, it's respectful. No, I'm, I'm dead serious though. Like that guy, Giants fans love him too. He was the best defensive coordinator that the team has ever seen. So everyone in all of football is talking about it. We were doing a live show this morning. We're doing this on Thursday. And, you know, for the 16th time this week, I'm talking about Tua in cold weather. And then all of a sudden we get the breaking news alert. I was a little surprised it went down on Thursday as opposed to like Monday morning or Tuesday morning. But it sounds like a lot of the conversations in the last 72 hours were like, how can we do this properly? And I think at the end of the day, Kraft did take the high road. And instead of you know, holding Bill hostage for a draft pick or two. He's just like, all right, go, go do your thing. Well, we'll see how long the high road lasts. I hope that's, I hope that's how it stays. He did a nice little statement today about, he always loves to talk about sitting on the metal benches in Schaefer stadium in 1971. And though, you know, he's a season you know ticket holder, bought hits. the team, brought Parcells in, should have hired Belichick, hired Pete Carroll instead, who wasn't ready, eventually got Belichick and they went on the greatest run ever. Uh, I'm ready for a new chapter and I'm okay. excited to see what happens with Belichick because I did a little thing on my YouTube YouTube channel today about whether Buffalo could be a possible home for him because it, initially I was like, oh, he'll go, Atlanta will throw. It, like Atlanta, that makes sense. Arthur Blank, he's old. Um, but if you actually think about it with the amount of wins that he needs with you know, trying to get that seventh Super Bowl so Brady doesn't have that one over him. I know people don't think that matters, but I think it matters a little. But is he ready to just come in and inherit a really good roster that's ready to win? And, you know, people are throwing out Philly today, and we'll talk about Philly Tampa in a second. I think Sirianna is a good coach. Like, I, I, that would be crazy if they fired Sirianna. Their problems had to do with the coordinators and their defense. But Buffalo, 
who we know is that guy's, they have to get the AFC title game or he's probably out. And then it's AFC East. It's cold weather. It's the biggest thing you could do in sports is win a Super Bowl with Buffalo. The most tortured NFL franchise we have. I don't know. I like the symmetry of it. Plus you get Josh Allen. I, I don't think McDermott is necessarily out. I feel like he saved his job this season, even if they have an early really? exit. So I do. I think McDermott and McDermott hung, hung on and they're the two seed in the AFC. And when it so all he, he dead, saved his job by two turnovers <laughs> of fumble. I hear you. Effing up the end of the end of the first half. Uh, they played like dog shit for three quarters, and the Miami just basically hands in the game with forty minutes left or forty minutes left in the Sunday night. And you think Miami, he's fine? Miami now? ran the ball. Miami ran the ball. I think three times in the second half. On One of the worst Sunday. game plans. Did you guys was, talk about that on your show? Yeah, they completely. They were running the ball right down their throat for the first. And they just stopped. And just stopped. And they had seventeen plays of offense. They threw the ball just about every time. Very odd Sunday night performance. I'll say this about all these big coaching hires. And I'm talking about when a guy like Belichick suddenly hits the market. Troy Vincent is like number two at the league. He comes on the show and he always talks about the membership, the membership. And I'm like, that's not in my vernacular. So finally, last time Troy came on Good Morning Football, I'm like, what is the membership? He's like, oh, the 32 clubs, they're the membership. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, something you like always have to No joke. <laughs> Bird streets. Uh, yeah. It's one of those deals where like, these owners, they're collective partners. So I always look at the dynamics of that. and. I think Arthur Blank and Belichick have obviously known each other for many decades as Blank has been an owner. And I think you look at the different ownership groups and what this would mean. Everyone's circling Dallas. Yes, Stephen Jones, I'm told, and Belichick have a relationship. Like, Would Jerry Jones do that to Robert Kraft? The two of those guys yeah. have been the number one and number two, and you could flip them however you want, most influential owners of the last 25 years, even to this point today when there's big league issues about media rights deals or what we're going to do with the NFL network in the future, Kraft and Jones are the biggest voices. These guys, they've, they've had their battles. They, they, they've been in jest with each other several times and they, they often come out as the two top guys and the two loudest voices. I don't think the membership necessarily comes into play when we do hot take theater and we do all this stuff, but like, I don't know if in their eighties, Jerry Jones would be the one to pick off Belichick uh, at this point. And I also don't know if, if it matters, you know, what Belichick's relationship is with these different owners himself, because he has been in there doing league meetings for 40 years. He knows all these guys inside and out too. So where he ultimately does decide, it's not necessarily going to be because of the offensive line play or because what they have at wide receiver. I think it's going to all come down to his relationship with the ownership. Counter. Go on. Rich guys have no loyalty to each other. It doesn't let's exist. Let's, rich look guys. At the first let's go of the day. Let's go. The dick swinging that goes with rich guys all over the place. Whether who has the biggest yacht, who has the biggest house, it's they could be friends and whatever, but it's always like they're coexisting. And I think if Jerry Jones is like, ah, I could hire Bill Belichick and win the Super Bowl. I haven't won a Super Bowl since Jimmy Johnson. He's not going to be like, oh, I hope. Bob Kraft's okay with this. He's not going to care. And I think there's always a little competitiveness with the rich guys oh, where it's like, is. oh yeah, we're buddies, we're buddies. But it's like, they're trying to beat each other. You know, it's the same way. Like if they're in some high stakes poker game, Jerry Jones isn't going to be like, ah, I should let up on Bob Kraft and not take quite as much. He's going to try to take all of Bob Kraft's money. So we let's agree to disagree. I think Dallas, I think Buffalo, I think that's why the timing is now because you wouldn't want the timing to be next week after like Dallas gets upset by Green Bay or Buffalo loses and 30 mile an hour wins and then the job comes up. But let's talk about the games. Yep. 
I just want to, I did all my playoff manifesto stuff. I'm going to read you the playoff manifesto. Tell me if you think I should kill any of these. Okay. Rule number one, beware the looked a little too good, the previous playoff round team. I love that one. Doesn't apply for round one. It's a great one to remember. Sure. Round two, don't get too excited. It's just one game. Don't get, don't send a team to the Super Bowl after round one. Rule number two, don't bet against God puppies, gambling theories from Pakistan. Created that after uh, Kurt Warner made his run fueled by God in Arizona. Haven't really had that one come up since. Has there been, I mean, Cousins is very vocal on that. So Cousins would be a good one. Yeah, like Cousins (laughs) maybe two years from now. Just Carson Wentz, if he gets in the game, maybe. But uh, (laughs) I don't know if anyone else wears it on the sleeve like that. Yeah. Rule number three, beware of the nobody believes in us team, but don't try to talk yourself into one either because I was a huge nobody believes in us guy, but then sometimes you can try to force it. You can't force it. There's a big nobody believes in us team. There's a big nobody believes in us team. Is it, do we think it's the same team? Who do you think it is? The Miami Dolphins. Interesting. I think it's the Packers. Okay. All right. Let's talk about it. All right. You make the case for the Dolphins. Oh, everyone's done with the Dolphins. There was a media bandwagon where it was the easy... I always say this. There's like, in our world, Bill, there is an easy algorithm, whether you're on first take, good morning football, on YouTube, whatever. You do this. The team's having a couple of nice wins. You come out and you promote yourself as like, I'm the one who's riding with this team. And when the Dolphins got hot and Tyreek was doing it and Tua was doing it, Everyone came out of the woodwork on all of these shows to be like, what Mike McDaniel's doing is is unbelievable and this Dolphins team can't be stopped. And right now, I swear, I am I, the, the bandwagon is not only empty, there, there are just tumbleweeds coming through it. There is no one I know picking the Dolphins right now. And yet, three weeks ago, they were the number one seed in the AFC. They still have Tyreek Hill, who is the most explosive playmaker in all of football. And oh, by the way, Tyreek Hill is going back to Arrowhead where he didn't get that opportunity in the regular season. I know they're Mm. injured. I know it's cold. But you talk about a team that had so much hype less than a month ago and everyone in the national media, you know, what's the Homer Simpson gif where he like kind of goes back in the bushes. That's everybody on the Dolphins. I don't know anyone riding with them. So to me, they want to internalize this a little bit. It's already become... You know, everyone's saying, oh, wow, Allen and, and Mahomes, you know, divisional round. Wow. In Buffalo this time. Slow down. Slow down. This Miami offense can cook if they have to. Really good case. I have a lot of counters. One is that the line only went from four to four and a half. So it's not like everybody, like really the, how banged up Miami should be, the line should be six. The weather is terrifying. They're saying mm-hmm. this could be one of the coldest games ever. I can't think of a worse scenario for Miami. Two is what, 0 and 4 when it's 40 degrees and below? He's, I, I think he's 0 and 10 and under 30 or something. There were some yeah, crazy so some, stats. Uh, yeah. every, basically, every two of cold weather stat is atrocious. I was in on this team, but I think there's real reasons to be out because they lost their pass rush. They lost Phillips. They lost Chubb. So, uh, Chubb those were their two guys. And so you get that. I never liked their offensive line. I don't like if this was home, if this was in Miami and the Chiefs are favored by two and a half, I'd be like, oh yeah, this fits. But on top of it, I think Tyreek's taken a lot of hits and a lot of he punishment has. this year. He came hobbling off the field on Sunday. Every night. game he hobbles off. And I have him the one fantasy league I have left that runs through the playoffs, and he's one of my <laughs> best guys on it. I love your yeah. fantasy league. Oh my God, no. it's the best. You That's get to amazing. protect six guys. So it's like I have I have him, I I have some playoff guys. And the dude takes two, three monster hits a week. 
he hobbles off. You never know what's right. What's wrong with him? I don't think he's 100% anymore. We know Waddle's not 100%. Mostert's not 100%. So the game plan in cold weather would be, we're going to run the ball. We're going to protect the ball. We're going to keep it away from Mahomes. The reason I don't think they qualify is I don't think people love the Chiefs either because I think this line should be like Chiefs six and a half, Chiefs seven. And it's been four, four and a half all week. I I look at it that and I think Chiefs fans will be the first ones to tell you the sight of number 10 in a third quarter within a one score game scares the shit out of you. And they know it better than anybody. You know what's going to happen. You know, if you keep, they keep it as a one score game, Tyreek's going to get his, he will. And they'll find a way to get it to him and he'll play. He's tough. He's, he's been there. He, he'll, he'll play. He'll be out there. I know he's been hobbled. Um, I just, it's amazing to think about the complete 180 that the media has done on the Dolphins and whether it's warranted or not. After all this stuff. Seems pretty warranted. Same exact place they were in last year as an injured team coming into the playoffs as a road major dog and no one's picking them. I just think if they want to internalize it and galvanize it, hey, no more Johnny come lately's. We've been we've been here all season. It's going to be us against the world. We don't need uh, the person getting fifty thousand YouTube like likes because they told us that the national media is actually paying attention to us for the first time. They've beaten one good team all year. They have Beat a the lot Cowboys, of Cowboys five field goals, baby, and a game the Cowboys could have won. They have a lot of games where they either got the shit kicked out of them or they blew the game. I just feel like second half of the year. The defense seemed to be rounding into shape, then all of a sudden it wasn't. Um, the cold weather thing, I can't get past because not only is it terrible for Miami, especially if their their defense isn't the same, which I don't think anyone does, but pretty decent scenario for the Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs lean into They're that. kind of an that. ugly cold weather. They, this is who they've become, a 21-17, 23-13, 16-9 type games. Like, Ugly long drives. They get no explosive plays at all, right? You're not going to get explosive plays when it's minus 21 wind chill. So they're just going to these long drives. Let's get field goals. Let's bank points. And let's just make Tua make plays. Tua was awful last week in the Buffalo game. Like awful. Final play of their regular season with the season on the line. And really a totally different narrative this week if they get that home field near the two seat. It's going to chase Claypool on an out. And it's like, that that can't be the play. That can't be the moment. Well, it's a little a Sacramento Kingsy, right? Where it looks yeah, great in the regular it? season. Let's who put up some points. Turkaloo? Yeah. Let's, well, even like the last year's Kings. Let's, let's put up some points. Back to, let's go back to Pollard. Yeah, that, well, that, that analogy works too. Um, but once it gets cold, once you have some injuries, I still think if they had kept Phillips and Chubb, if those two things don't happen, you could tell me, hey, there's a real case with this defense. Because their defense was coming up. Yeah. But now... I don't see it. So I will make the um I'll make the Packers case. case when we Let get there. No, let's no, go. We'll, we'll, I'll make it. Let's get through the manifesto. Okay. Um because we're gonna break down that Packers game. Rule number four is beware of any team that might use a major off-field distraction as a galvanizing force leading up to a big playoff game. I don't think that exists yet. Maybe that Miami stuff you're talking about. I was about. saying TJ Watt's injury. That would be the only thing. Like our Ooh. best player, our leader, he's not going to be out there. It's off the field, but it's not really like a scandal. Well, that's a little, little nobody believes in us for them, too. True, true. Um, the rule number five is, is uh, never pick an underdog unless you genuinely believe they can win the game. So Packers is a good example. Mm-hmm. Don't take the Packers just because you're getting the hook at seven. It's seven mm-hmm. and a half. Oh, I'll take them. They can hang close. Like You have to think they can go in there and actually win it. If you're taking Pittsburgh plus 10 in Buffalo and 30-mile-an-hour wins, 
you better think that they're going to go down. They're going to make a couple pick and plays. They're going to run the ball. Allen will have two picks and Allen they can actually steal it, which yep. I think you make a case. Um, next one is beware of all dome teams playing outdoors, especially cold weather doesn't exist. There's a Tom Brady rule that no longer applies. Severely discount anything that happened in the first five to six weeks of the regular season is another rule. That's okay. basically Philly, right? Yeah. That's, you yeah, have to beat, judge Philly by the second half, not the first half. And especially specifically that game, they beat a Tampa Bay team that no one thought anything. I think it was week three. They beat Tampa on a Monday night game that was so so uh, so valued by ESPN that they did a split split game. And there was also a Bengals-Rams game going at the right. same time. So I don't think everyone watched that game, but it was uh, all Philly from from the start. Rule number rule number nine is when in doubt, gravitate toward one pick that would screw up the most gamblers and experts and would definitely go against the single worst gambler you know. So mm. you think this might be the Chiefs, but I still feel like Chiefs four and a half You're right. is that's a not, little scary. That's not 10 points. You're right. You're right. I would have said the Browns for this, but the Browns line moved on FanDuel. It went from two and a half to two. There's been some Houston money, and I really? think people kind of like Houston. Yeah. Um, boy, this hurts to ask you. Are the Rams a little too sexy this week at plus yeah. three in Detroit? It's a little a little sexy vibe to that. I know. Um, it's no, because Detroit's really good and the, the Rams are not disrespecting Detroit and looking ahead. Like that's the only thing. So I, I think they're truly the underdogs and Detroit's got that home crowd. If this wasn't Detroit, it's a whole other conversation, but Detroit with that, 30 years between like I yeah. I know it. That place is gonna be absolutely rocking. So I don't think the Rams can feel like they're too sexy or they're overlooking this team. And I know everyone okay. I, I actually don't know many people picking the Rams in this game. You might. You're on the West Coast. Here it feels like everyone's like, oh, this is where Goff gets his last laugh. Next one is don't ever talk yourself into a terrible QB ever for any reason. Mm. Somehow the year of the backup QB, when all these starters got hurt. I don't think there's a terrible QB. Rudolph is the only one you would argue is terrible. Rudolph is the great closest. the last few weeks. Yeah. Rudolph is the closest. And if you told me Rudolph and 30 mile an hour wins is going to be a complete shit show in Buffalo, yeah, I would believe fine. you. Fine. So we're going to mark that one, at least for the Buffalo game. Uh, possible new rule I had last week was you can't dismiss the nerd evidence when it's absolutely overwhelming. You just can't. This was a rule we created for the Minnesota Giants game last year. Mm -hmm. When Minnesota, I think they were even favored. And the nerd evidence was like, the Giants are actually should be favored in this game. And then the nerds were right. There's some Rams-Lions nerd stuff. Oh, go on. I don't know it. Like, Let me hear it. I was texting with Mina last night. Mina said, the Lions defense has the worst QBR against opposing receivers of any defense in the league. You go back and you, and you look at just the, the Lions-Rams numbers. Just like offense versus defense, Rams. Seventh yard per play. Lions defense, 23rd. Rams, fourth in the red zone. Lions defense, 29th. Mm. Rams, eighth first downs. Lions defense, 22nd. Rams, 10th passing. Lions defense, 27th. The nerd numbers are telling us the Rams are going to move the ball in the Lions. Now, we're, we're also factoring in a dome. They might be from behind. The Rams have the worst special teams in the league, um, that are, or at least in the out of the playoff teams. Do you want to know the biggest name in this thing? I think it's Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, who's up for a lot of head coaching jobs. And it's like, yeah. you want to showcase game? 
what they're doing this year on that defense with those defensive players has been a great story. So you've got Kobe Turner, who leads all rookies in sacks from a defensive uh, tackle position. You've got Byron Young, this outside linebacker is number two in all rookie sacks. Great. They've got guys you've never heard of, Rosenblum and and Yeast as a safety. And all this has been a great story all season long. Akilah Weatherspoon, like, does does it all come to roast right here where or come to roost where it's like, all right, we're in the playoffs now. All these rookies and all these guys, like, here's Ben Johnson's offense on their field in their carpet with their crowd. And is this going to be one of those where the Lions are like, are you going to win a shootout with us? Because we'll put up the points and we can do yeah. it. If if Raheem has a plan and that defense steps up, I'm with all the nerds on this one. And I'm saying, I know the Rams can score on that Lions defense. I know it. Crazy crowd or not, Stafford's going to be able to move the ball. They'll be able to figure it out. McVay's going to draw some stuff up. Can the Rams defense stop the Lions? That's the question. Once upon a time, back when my fingers worked and I was writing football columns every week, and Raheem Morris was the Tampa coach and he was terrible. Yeah. And he got the job way too early. It was like 31. 30, 31 it was. Yeah. It was actually when we went a little too far with let's give young guys jobs. Players this coach, was, yeah. yeah, this was, this went too far and he got the job way too early. And I created I, whoever replaced him after. And I created uh warm, which was a stat wins, wins against Raheem Morris <laughs> where, or something or wins after Raheem Morris, something like that, where it's like, whoever follows this guy, this I think guy it was Greg Schiano. Yeah. Hey, the Greg Schiano didn't work. <laughs> um, but now he's what? It's nine, 10 years later, and he is the best defensive coordinator probably in the league. And this is when he should get a job now, now that he actually has experience. It's yeah. great because, you know, in the years that I'm sorry to go on this Raheem Morris, you know, tangent. In no, the it's years earned. Of, They've been, their defense has been good. Been amazing. So undermanned and they do it. And now, you know, there's a cool story. Ernest Jones is the middle linebacker. He was great in the Super Bowl, had an amazing Super Bowl, had like an interception, a sack, a tip pass. It was great. Then they go out and they get Bobby Wagner. And, Ernest Jones, to his credit, is like, all right, I'll be a backup to Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner teaches him. Ernest Jones is amazing. He calls the plays this year. Like, they have found a way to not only get the most out of these young guys, but to get them to play specific roles. And Raheem has now gotten the public statement from Kyle Shanahan, who's an opponent, but was with him in Washington and in Atlanta, and said, if I could hire any head coach right now, it'd be Raheem Morris. He's got it from Sean McVay. He's got it from Mike Tomlin. And yet we're doing the coaching hiring process, and it's like, yeah, Raheem Morris, when he was 30 and the Buccaneers used to party with the players and Josh Freeman didn't work out. It's like, all right, there's yeah. been a lot of coaches who haven't worked out. Like, right. So I, to me, it's like, all right, we could talk about it all we want. It's got to do it in the interview process. He was really close to getting the indie job last year. It got to Shane Steichen. But you put the clamps on Sunday night with 30 million Americans watching and you got Collinsworth doing the, oh man, this Raheem oh, Morris. I got to tell you, these disguise blitzes Raheem Morris is doing. No one's watching what they do when they play the Texans or they do the Titans game in week five or week seven. Everyone is watching this weekend and I think he's the biggest X factor in this game. I also, the Lions having an offensive coordinator that is going for a head, head coaching job, sometimes that backfires a little because the guy's Trying to the get a little league, flashy, trying to show actually, stuff off. The league actually changed one rule, as you know, that if you're a current playoff team, you can't your coach can't interview until after the divisional round. A lot of that was because A, that they're trying to show off and do a little something, but B, the coordinators would oftentimes be spending all Saturday and Sunday of the weekend of a game during the wild card round studying up on the Jacksonville offense or studying right. up on what, on what Minnesota's defense does because they were interviewing yeah. for multiple jobs. So the league at least pushed that back. No That's excuse. Right. No excuse for Johnson this weekend. Like we have been hyping him. That $15 million number that came out, like 
I don't think it's crazy. I think that he is that highly sought after as a head coach. And one of these teams that is just ailing for relevance is going to say, wow, we got the bell of the ball. We got the guy. Um, and 15 million might be the number because we know Sean Payton and others have taken it over the top. That's ridiculous for somebody who's never coached before. I, I'm, I'm in the Mike Lombardi camp of offensive play caller is awesome, but we've seen it go either way because you still have to know how to handle both sides of the ball, how to lead men. It can't just be like, look at my cool plays. A mm-hmm. um, couple more manifesto rules. Before you wager on a team, make sure, and there's a whole bunch of coaches who basically none of them are coaching anymore, but one of them is anyone named Mike. So I'm just flagging that because Mike McCarthy. Rule number 14. Oh, wait, Mike McDaniels as well. He's there, Mike McDaniel. So we got two Mikes. Beware of any team that reminds you of the 2007 Giants. We get so quick to like, oh, they're getting hot at the end. And also like just... Little pass rush, starting to move the ball. Nobody's taking them seriously yet. But if you actually look at the last six to seven games, there's real evidence this team might be coming together. The Packers is the only one I, I thought might qualify for that. Damn right, damn right. The other, the only other team, it would be the one that on paper, but it's it's a misnomer. Like people would look on paper, and I think you and Sal hit it. Like Jason Garrett was saying in the studio show, like, "Hey, the Bills have got their swagger back. Look, they've won a lot of games. Bills don't look good." So they're not that yeah. team. They've rattled off a bunch of victories. Uh, Packers looked great the last two weeks. And I'll say this. I know they lost to the Dolphins, but the way the Cowboys closed out the season was pretty impressive. And they looked pretty damn dominant the last few weeks. And I know they, the Detroit thing was a fluke or whatever you want to say, the play call. Like Their offense is, is finally humming. And I think the Dallas might be one of those squads also. Hmm. Make sure the team with a home field advantage actually has a home field advantage. There's one team that we'll talk about later with that. Take one last look at the quarterbacks. Remember, there's plenty of time to bet against any QB or coach is another role. And then the last one is don't try to be a hero. Just try to win money. There's mm-hmm. two others that I think are lingering that I might have to add. One, I used to have a special teams one that I took out. And if the Rams lose this Lions game because of special teams, because it was like, wow, they're way better, but their kicker missed two field goals and they yeah. gave up a kick return for a TD. And it was like, how did they blow this game? Special teams. I'm putting that back in. And then the other one, I was, I always like this for not just football, but basketball yeah. too. When a coach goes against their old team and they know all the warts, like they know yeah. all of them. Right. And I think the most dangerous is a defensive coordinator against a QB who used to be on the team or a head coach who used to be on it. And I just think like the McVay Goff thing cannot be awesome for Goff. There's there's no way it's an advantage for Goff. Is it a disadvantage? We're gonna find out. But if if Goff just looks flustered and off the whole game, he's not gonna have Laporta. Um if if he just looks a little rattly and a little Jer- bad Jared Goffey when he's his brother, Jiffy Goff, what would his, what would his evil brother be? Clyde Goff? <laughs> Tanner Goff. Tanner Goff. If, he's, if he turns into Tanner Goff, it will be because McVeigh is pulling like seven, eight tricks. And he's like, I coached this guy for four years. This, 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 this. He hates. We're doing all of those things. So... So when Goff was there, the defensive coordinators were Wade Phillips, 
and Brandon Staley. So Ooh. he didn't have Raheem Morris as a defensive coordinator. And I think the only holdover on defense might be Aaron Donald. So McVay psychologically before the but game. But he did have McVay coaching yep. him and yep. being the and coaching the offense, calling plays for him, be like, fuck, I can't call that play. He can't do this. I'm totally. not gonna put him in this spot because this will happen. Totally. He knows all he knows all the levers. Uh, yeah. And then on the flip side of it, and I know it's talking, you've got that end of it, but Aaron Glenn is the defensive coordinator of of the of the Lions and McVay used to always be able to move the ball in those Sean Payton Saints teams. And Dan mm. Campbell was on that staff too. So again, there's so much in the weeds here. But I think psychologically, golf, McVay, and you know, we love this. They both are playing it down. You know, I think I think Jared said that didn't go great for either one of us on the end. And like, eh, Sean was hoisting a Lombardi and shirtless on the Super Bowl float the year after. Like, I think, yes, he wishes and it didn't go down like it did. And it was so public and it was so obvious that he was over Jared. But the love might be there from the organization, but the facts are the facts. Jared Goff can go and shut Sean McVay up this week and put this win together and get the last laugh, at least one-on-one head-to-head. We're taking a break and then we're going to go through the games. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all, y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by US News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. All right, we're going to go through the six games. We'll do it in order, starting with the uh, first Saturday game. Two on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday. Um, before we do it, though, why aren't why isn't it just three and three? Why are they know. so greedy? Why do they ESPN do this? ESPN needed that Monday Come night. On. ESPN can have the Saturday night. They did like, Saturday the other night. I don't know. Why? Uh, we have to do guest alliance. We don't even know what, what one of the matchups off. is. Why don't they hey. care about us? The longest-running, most successful I hear uh, audio franchise and sports. Guess the lines. Come on, dude. I know. I know. Browns, Texans. This line is dropped to Browns minus two. Flacco four and one in his five starts, almost 28 points a game. Lost to the Rams, beat Jacksonville, Chicago, Houston, and the Jets. Yeah. Um, Will Anderson might not play. They don't have Tank Dell. Indianapolis should have beaten Houston. And that's why this line is what it is, because I still don't understand what Indianapolis was doing the last five minutes of that game. I'm sure you killed them on your show, like just playing so that the other team can't get the ball back. They lose their identity. They don't call the timeout before the fourth down play. Then they run a fourth down play to a guy who's played for five games and Houston escapes by the skin of their teeth. They get a 75-yard touchdown to start the game from the only receiver you have to cover on their team. Nico. Now they're playing this Bill, this uh, Browns team that beat them 36-22 in Week 16. Davis Mills played no C.J. Stroud, but they put up 36 yards on him. Cooper had 265. 
uh, 26 first downs. And Cleveland's D, which has not traveled always, they've always been better at home, but Cleveland's D, this just feels like a happy to be there, Houston. We made it. Um, and yet, very scared to bet against CJ Stroud. Yeah. And that would be the only thing that gives me a little hesitation is we've watched this guy over and over again be able to move the ball when he's had to move the ball. And could the Flacco pumpkin burst? What did you talk? You're doing a show every day. Like, what do people make of this Flacco thing? Like, it's well, really has no precedent other than Kurt, Kurt Warner in 2009. And even this is more ridiculous. Oh, Warner Warner was at least, you know, hacking to get in the league for years and was a young guy. Flacco's 38 and literally took a coach flight to the tryout. Took a coach flight. There yeah. were pictures of him sitting in coach, like on commercial airline. Um, Here's the topic that Kyle and I have been really hammering out a little bit on the show, which is interesting. What if Flacco wins a couple of these games? What do you do? Are you going back to Watson oh, yeah. next year? Like, oh what my God. Do? What and if they made many, the Super Bowl? How many games does it take for the ownership to say, well, Deshaun Watson's our guy and we just feel confident? Like, Flacco looks amazing. He looks thin, he looks sharp. He threw for 298 yards and a half the last time we saw him. Like, he looks, and this is indoors. By the way, and he's also, and by the way, the kind of quarterback the team needs because they really need a gunslinger. And if he turns the ball over twice, fine, the defense will get it back. They need explosive plays with their defense, and they can run the ball. You know the stats. Um, Tom Brady has seven road postseason victories. He is tied for first all time in the history of sports or the NFL for road victories in the postseason. Do you know who he's tied with? Joe freaking Flacco with the Ravens. Yes has seven road playoff wins. That's an amazing stat. He also had the greatest playoff run any quarterback's ever had. Beat Andrew Luck at home and then had to go into Denver and beat Peyton Manning, go into New England and beat Tom Brady and then goes to the New Orleans for the Super Bowl and beats Kaepernick when Kaepernick was the biggest show in town. But he had So the question is, how many games would he have to win for the Browns to say, fuck it, it's your job. Deshaun, you're a backup this year. We'll pay you. You'll get all your checks. The Eagles... Went with Foles, right? Like in the end of the day, like it, it. When you win a Super Bowl, but what would it take if you beat the Texans this week? Is it an open competition next offseason, or is it? Yeah. Hey, it's Deshaun's job and Flacco's the backup. If we bring him back, he's a free agent. Obviously, it's one year. Um, or is it like we beat the Houston Texans? We're a divisional round team. We went up against the Ravens. We had this great story, and we haven't been this far in the playoffs in X amount of years. Besides, obviously, uh, the Baker season when they went up against the Chiefs. So. That's a topic that's that's that we discuss often. The other one would be like, is this to your point? Is this all that Cleveland needed? Just a guy that's going to be able to take a couple moonbeams, like just you know, throw and those really good play action, and then great in play action, and and be a leader in the locker room, and yeah. have everyone know that like he's been there, he's done that. They call him Unk in the locker room, which is now I believe Shannon Sharp's nickname. Um, but there, it's like. They believe, and the ownership group is thrilled, and the coach is going to be coach of the year, and everyone is enjoying this wave. And I'm not saying he bailed them out, but uh, things were not all chummy and a great PR story for Cleveland the last two years, and now it's everybody's America's team. Denzel Ward got hurt in practice and is now questionable for the game. And it actually affected the line. I think that's why it went to minus two. Um. Dude, I we love went, their defense. They got this kid, JOK, uh, yeah. Jeremiah Wissokoromoa. They've got this Martin Emerson, this Greg Newsom. Like, they're so young. And How about so the Miles good. Garrett guy? 
<laughs> and 95 is on every play. Like There is a whole army of fans online who would love to debate any chance they can for J.J. Watt over Miles Garrett. And yet, I think it's Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year this year. He's just unblockable. T.J. Yeah. Watt, I'm sorry, yeah. T.J. Yeah. The, I'm the one who's supposed to mess up names. Just you're on my corner right now. My bad. <laughs> get it back. Come on. Come on, Shrakes. Um, let me throw this at you. Is the Browns defense the best unit in the playoffs? Mm. Would you go Ravens offense? Would you go Niners offense? What What's your number one unit? Because the Browns defense is at least in the conversation, which is one of the reasons I'm going to be picking them in this game. I think you can make the argument. Yes, it's you can make there. the argument. Maybe it's not the answer, yeah. but it's they're in the argument. I wouldn't sleep on on Dallas offense also at this point. Fair. They're, I wish they're, they're, they're one receiver short. I still Fair. feel like third and nine. I feel like just yeah. take out Lamb and you're in good shape. Yeah. Um, I go with that. I think Cleveland's defense is dominant and they finish the season on such a high. I know that they yeah. got blown out. Like their team. But they, I like them too, man. And you know, there's been teams like this in the past where the defense is is really good and the offense can get just enough done. Obviously, the Ravens, you know, when they won it in 2000 was one case. The Buccaneers the following year, like those squads. But, but even in recent years, you know, when you think about teams that just have like these really hot, great defenses and then the offense gets better as the season goes on and kind of hits their peak, that's what they're doing in Cleveland. It's amazing because the Flacco story takes all things, but they've also lost both offensive tackles and they've lost yeah. Nick Chubb and they don't really miss a beat. It's crazy. And you think like if they were actually healthy or close to being healthy, like compared to some who, who of these other teams. Who would you pick teams. coach of the year, Ryan's or Stefanski? Because I was going Stefanski the whole way and then Ryan's oh, actually to me it's, the vision. To me, it's Stefanski. Stefanski too, yeah. Yeah, I just think what he did and even like, you know, the Watson part of yeah. the season wasn't awesome, but losing Chubb in the first hour of your season to mm. the worst possible ugliest injury, um, I think it's been really impressive. I just want to point out that a Browns Rams Super Bowl is uh you can bet a hundred dollars and you win twenty eight thousand five hundred dollars on FanDuel. Hypothetically, again, I always bring up <laughs> me, me me and Kyle do three hours together and this is like we just like lobbying like hypotheticals I feel like we're like Kevin Wilds a little bit and like yeah. what they do over there too. Vegas Super Bowl. Take the AFC teams of like Cleveland and Buffalo and then NFC teams of like the Lion teams that haven't been there. Vegas Super Bowl, what would be the rowdiest combo? Is it Cowboys and the Browns? Is it like, what's that? Like, we haven't oh, been man. here. We're starved. I think in Lions, Browns would be insane. But I think Cowboys probably, those fans would come from all corners to be at that. Cowboys point. has to be number one because they have the most fans. Yeah. And this would be the first time they've made it and got it. I can't remember, 1996? 96, yeah, when it was Switzer and they beat the Steelers, yeah. Yeah, so they have the most fans. So it's Cowboys versus, it's not Baltimore. It's not KC. Not Probably not Miami. It's not Houston. Buffalo would be insane. It's probably Buffalo. Cleveland. Cleveland would be insane too. Wow. So Cleveland, Dallas. Dallas. Can you imagine? <laughs> I think it'd be really because Dallas has the money too. Oh. Because Dallas money. has, you know, a wealthy fan base. And yes. so if they're in there, it's just be hard to get tickets. Yeah, it's either Cleveland or Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. That's a good topic. Um the Browns, just a couple more things with them. Their defense, first and first downs, first and third downs, first and red zone, and first and yards per play. 
And now you have this Texans team. Now, one thing with the Browns, they'll give up like the one forty-yard run every game. For some reason, it's the glitch in their system. They just give up one long, mm-hmm. either a screen pass or a run. They're sixth in sacks. They're first in tackles for a loss. That even that crappy Colts defense was kind of making Stroud. I just I think the Texans getting here was their win, and I like the Browns. Way to deviate. Cleveland's thirteen, Houston's eighteen, but I'm leaning toward the Browns in that. Um, By the way, Jim Schwartz, the architect of that defense, who's been a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator, zero head coaching interview. Well, he should. I mean, he basically, he created the defense that fucked up fields, right? And then the Packers just copied the defense. Chiefs Dolphins. um, Miami is a four and four on the road this year. Two is oh and a million, whatever it's called. If you're going to make a case for Miami, here's KC's defense against the run. By the way, they've given up 113.2 running yards this year. Cincy last week was 32 for 104. Vegas, 29 for 157 and 23 for 123. Bills, 28 for 118. Green Bay was 25 for 129. Philly was 27 for 114. Miami was 21 for 117 when they played. And Denver was 40 for 153. So my guess would be, First of all, like JJ and the Ringer Gambling Show guys love the under. The under is like 44 and a half, something okay. like that. Because it all just right. seems like this is a game that doesn't have a lot of possessions. You make the Chiefs have long possessions, but you just kind of stone them one time and they kick a field goal. And if you're Miami, you're just running the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Tyreek, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Buster. And yep. that's your game plan. But it's going to be really fucking cold. And I don't love their offensive line anyway. Can they run the ball on the Chiefs? That's the yeah. question to me. Yeah, they can. And they why can. didn't they? Why did they stop running the ball last week against Buffalo? Inexplicable. Inexplicable. I will say, uh, Andy Reid and Vic Fangio faced off a bunch of times when Vic was the head coach at Denver, and the Chiefs never lost. So mm. I don't know, but he's definitely familiar with Vic's defense, and so is Patrick Mahomes. And you're right. You you lose Phillips. You lose. Uh, Chubb, obviously, and like I know you saw, like they highly signed Justin Houston off the street. They're like, all right, you're gonna be our number one pass rusher. We signed you this week. Like, go. Um, Brutal. And he was shot. Like he had nothing left. It's not ideal. There's another thing with KC's D. They're bent but don't break kind of on offense and defense. So they allowed, I looked up the explosive plays. I like that stat. I like it. They allowed 76 explosive plays, 37 rushing. So that's 10 plus yards. Explosive plays are 10 plus. Or more yards Russian. in the run, and then 20 yards or more in the pass, I believe. Right. 37 and 39 for them, 76 total, which was the lowest in the league. Just want to mention the Patriots for a second. Mm. It's one of the reasons the Patriots were like one of those way better than the record teams. Miami allowed 78 explosive plays. They were only two behind, 20 and 58. So if this is a grinded out game, which it would seem like the evidence would suggest with Tyreek as the outlier. Um I just think that favors the home team in the cold weather and Mahomes. And if, do you really want to bet against Tua against Patrick Mahomes? No. And here's here's the counter to it. And you could think about how you want. You, you, I think you guys have talked about this. You and Sal, and of course you and I mentioned it. Like there's a a lot of 2019 Patriots feel to this Chiefs team. No question. Yeah. And how did that end for them? They were home on a Saturday night in the playoffs, and Brady just Threw a pick six to Logan Ryan, and that's just kind of how the season ended. And it like, yeah, that was it. Like, is I, I talked to a lot of Chiefs fans. I think we have mutual friends who are Chiefs fans. It's like they know this isn't 
what it was. And it's like, they know, but like, can we get one last run out of Kelsey? Can we get one yeah, more but thing some, out of- Sometimes you need luck with this shit. I know. Like the 2018 Pats, which by the way, weren't much better. Oh, no better. And they lose if D Ford doesn't jump off sides. Um, but that Rams game they played was pretty ugly. You know, ugly, but, but it was one of the, was the right opponent at the right time. Yeah. Greatest defensive performance of all time. Belichick again to the Rams in a Super Bowl just you know knocks out one of these amazing high-powered offenses. So the Chiefs, who I don't think any of us really liked, and somehow they miraculously get the best possible it's you true. want to play these guys in cold weather team who's banged up coming to Arrowhead and in, instead of Buffalo. Yep. Buffalo easily could have lost that game and then you know, maybe they're going to KC or maybe Pittsburgh's going and Jalen Warren's just, you know, yeah. Pittsburgh is built yeah. for a game like this. Chiefs got everything they needed because if the Jaguars had won and then there's a chance that Buffalo's coming to KC and I don't think they wanted to see Buffalo. I think they would much rather see the Dolphins. Yeah, so if, if this is a lucky year for them, they beat the Miami and then Pittsburgh somehow beats Buffalo in 30 degree, 30 mile an hour winds. And then we're like, wait a second. KC's playing Cleveland in round two. What's going on? Wait, so KC just has to beat Tua in minus 20 windchill weather and then uh, 39-year-old Joe Flacco, and that's how they'll get there. Or Buffalo, a team that the 13 seconds hangs over that whole week. Yeah, It's not good for Buffalo. It sucks when your team has a big choke. But anyway, I'm leaning toward KC. The the week nine game, I don't think we can learn a lot from that. KC was up. In Germany, KC was up big, and then the twenty-one Dolphins, nothing halftime. Miami came roaring back and should have tied the game and fucked it up. Coughed it up and Tua fumbled the snap. That's how it ended. As so many of these Tua games have. Can I throw one other theory at you? Yeah, Travis Kelsey, a little hibernation the last month or so, and maybe haven't seen him as much, right? Haven't last four weeks of of uh, of production from him was not awesome. I thought so it was. Are they thought, saving him for a game like this? I thought I was really in the weeds, but I'll say this. He was on the field last week with street clothes, celebrating like you've never seen for Chris Jones to get his sack bonus. He got a $1.5 million bonus. The Golden Globes in Los Angeles. Taylor Swift was there. It's both on CBS. It would have, they would have given him a helicopter. They would have done whatever they could to get Kelsey there. And he decided to not partake and to just be with his team and fly back to Kansas City. Congrats for being with the football team. He's in football mode, baby. Let's go. Casey minus 235, which I think for million-dollar picks is a more interesting play to parlay that with something else. And I'll give you some choices near the end that we can discuss. Uh, Sunday's first game, Bills-Steelers. Bills minus 10 is the line right now. And the Bills have some injuries. Yes. There's some Von Miller, Rasul Douglas, Taylor Dude, their Rapp. Biggest game, the 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 biggest players for them were Trent Sherfield and Leonard Fournette and Taylor Rapp. Like they're good, but like I, again, I'm not saying you look on paper they're the hottest team in football. They've won all these games. Are they the hottest team though? They, they don't they've look, won a few. They've won a few. Wait, okay. how do they win those games? Game? I don't. I wouldn't say they're like humming on all cylinders. About a month ago, the Pats or, almost beat them. They should have. They had him. They had him. If Zappy doesn't give the ball away all those times, and then the Chargers with Giff Smith or Griff Smith, I don't know how it, yeah. Giff Smith, Giff Giff Griff, and uh, Easton Stick lost by two. So like this hasn't been some dazzling performance from Buffalo. I would also add, you know, you look at you know the ball. The Bills were a team that I think six weeks ago were the 11 seed and had a 14 percent chance of making the playoffs. They've had to rattle off all these wins. 
are they hot or are they the same thing that they were last year? Which of course I think had they're the, the same team. stuff. They're, they're, have you seen their offensive like, rating stuff? It's exactly the same. They're just exhausted by the end of the year, and it's like, yeah, we got there, but are we getting any further? I don't know. If Josh Allen can do this, I'll have the utmost respect for him. I, I thought he played awesome in the second half on Sunday, but like you can't have first halves like they did last week. I think the line's too high. I, I don't know if I would play this game hard, but could Pittsburgh hang around and run the ball on them in been our, terrible who's been our, weather? Who's been our team all year, Bill? Our guys, the Steelers. Wait, by the way, Steelers and Packers. We had both of them, right? We did sure you have Packers? Did. Yes, we they, sure both did. Both of them made it. Um, Pittsburgh's offense, 25th in pass, 29th first downs, 22nd third downs, 21st yards per play. Most of that's been without Rudolph. The reason you don't go huge on this game is because of rule number 11 of the playoff manifesto. You, you're betting on Mason Rudolph and Josh Allen's up 10 nothing early and you're like, oh my God, I bet on Mason Rudolph. So you got to be careful with that piece. With all that um, said, I think Pittsburgh is actually a little undervalued. Because I know what they are. They're going to run the ball. They got Fryermuth. They're going to score 17 points. One Pickens play. They'll be between 17 and 20 points. They're going to miss Watt, obviously. But I've watched Buffalo leave a lot of points on the table. And they don't make explosive plays like they used to. Like, when was the last time Diggs had like 180 in a game? And Gabe Davis went down with an injury, so you're not sure what's going on there. Shakir Shakir's been their best receiver down the stretch, which makes no sense. You know, I'm telling you, Trent Sherfield and Fournette were getting very important minutes on Sunday. Leonard yeah. Fournette. Um, the Pittsburgh side of it, I'm not yeah. reporting any news. It's quietly being whispered. And Mike Florio, to his credit, has been pushing it on pro football talk, I think. Tomlin's future? We see all these guys. Like, is it is this Tomlin? Like, what's his story? Oh, wow. Not that he would be fired by any means, but like there's whispers in Pittsburgh of like, okay, well, it's the same thing yet again. Seven seed, six seed, we go to the playoffs, walk around. So the Steelers usually come to play uh, for Mike Tomlin in the playoffs. I want to see if there's an extra little edge on them, if they know something over there and if he's echoing any stuff. I mean, it's speculation. It's not from inside, it's from outside. But with Pete leaving and with Belichick leaving, a lot of people are saying, well, what's up with Tomlin? Is he just going to be there forever? So curious to see how they come out and play on Sunday. The line is too high for what the weather is going to be. The weather, everyone says, friggy, fr- I'm sorry, frigid, friggy. Friggy is a new word. I think I just made that up. Uh, if you just Google it, snowy, windy, frigid, over and over again. Yeah. Might be super windy. And in Buffalo with the wind, there's a point of no return with the wind. Yep. Where you're just that, not doing that, the same offense anymore. The Monday night game, the pa- the Patriots versus yeah. the Bills, when they were just like, "Yep, we're just." I like not the gonna, ten. Not going to throw the ball. Yeah, I, li- I like the ten. I don't love it, but I, but that's where I'm leaning. Let's take a break, and we'll do the other three. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want: Michelob Ultra. My go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game. Right now, 
than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLobeUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, the most fun game to argue about, Cowboys-Packers, Cowboys favored by seven and a half, way to DVOA their fourth, Green Bay's 12th. Dallas offense, you mentioned earlier, first and first down, second and third down, sixth in yards per play. They've been really good. Green Bay, none of the stats are that great because they've been a, a total late bloomer team. They're young. Rashawn Gary really got going. Really around the Thanksgiving game was kind of his on back. Um, their games, 23-19 over Pittsburgh, Green Bay wins. They beat Detroit 29-22. They beat KC 27-19. They beat Minnesota 33-10. Mm-hmm. They beat Chicago 17 to 9. I thought Chicago's pretty good. There's a body of evidence that this team kind of came together. And I got to say, here's Aaron Jones. I'm just going to read this quote. At the beginning of the season, everyone tried to count us out. Let's go. In the middle of the season, everybody tried to count us out. Let's go. I think that speaks to a lot of these guys in this locker room turning out the noise and just getting to work. And then edge defender Preston Smith. Of course, nobody believed in us, but we always believed in us. And that's all that matters. We can beat anybody. We can win any game. We can go the distance. This is not a team I would want to play in the playoffs. And I was late to buy into this Packers thing. So, oh, this is the week. It'll, you know, the Joe Barry, some like what Tommy DeVito, Tommy DeVito what he did to yep. them, what Fields did to them in that, and not Fields, uh, Bryce Young in the Carolina game where they really should have lost to Carolina. But their receivers, it's a different guy. They're always making plays down the field or in traffic. They get explosive plays. Um, and they also give up explosive plays. They're 25th in the league in that. And this just feels shootouty, close, awesome, really entertaining. And the seven and a half Peter Schrager seems too high to me. I give you some potential manifesto stuff that you might need to add in yeah. about this Packers team. Let's hear uh, it. Statistically, the youngest NFL team since the strike-shortened 1982 Patriots season to make the playoffs. Wow. There are 15 different Green Bay Packers players who will dress on Sunday who were born in the year 2000 or the year 2001. I saw that. That's an unbelievable stat. (laughs) Is that not unbelievable? How about this one? But they're young and they're like, we're young and we're embracing this. We're young and we're here and this is our identity. Based on how it goes, this might be manifesto, whether that's good or bad. They don't know that they're not supposed to win. As you know, they're brash, they're loud. You know, they get rid of Devontae Adams two years ago. They lose Lazard and Cobb last year. And let me give you these names and the ages. Dontavian Wicks, who looks like he's Devontae Adams out there. Who's been making plays. (laughs) 22 years old. He's their wide receiver. Romeo Dubs, 23 years old. Jaden Reed, 23 years old. Christian Watson, 24 years old. Are we going to get Christian Watson this weekend? Not sure if he's dressing. We're always a game time with Christian and those hands. It's a game time Christian. That's it. Bo Melton, who's had a big moment, 24 years old. And their tight ends, Tucker Craft, 23. Luke Musgrave, 23. They're Luke all Luke Musgrave, back and healthy, finally. Back. And, you know, we said, I was talking actually with some Fox folks on uh, Sunday, and Eric Shanks, who's the CEO of Fox Sports, and I've been working for them forever. And I'm in the green room before the Sunday show. And I just mentioned, I'm like, 
And Bradshaw comes over and he's like, I got to be honest, I'm not a stack guy. This is Bradshaw talking to me. And he's like, not a stack guy, but I watch Jordan Love and I just love the way his footwork is and I love his swagger yeah. and I love everything about it. And I say, I say, not bad for a rookie. And, you know, Shanks pops in and is like, he's not a rookie. He's been there for four years. So like, he's got the benefit of, he's been through these heartbreaking playoff yeah. losses. It's not like he hasn't been in these games. He's been along on the ride. So it was a good point there. And I think, you know, Jordan also, Love unbelievable has, job sucking up to your boss. I you weave that yeah, in. It was really here. nice. That's why you make <laughs> the big it. bucks. That's it. exactly right. That's why I'm the uh, second reporter on the Fox Inside. The, <laughs> um, no, but like it's one of those deals where we look at Love and we're like, all right, is he going to be ready to handle the bright lights? And it's kind of like he's been through it with Rogers. I know he wasn't on the field, but he was on that team when they went to when the Niners yeah. came to Lambeau on a Saturday night and they got heartbroken. He was on those bus rides home. He was there last year when they lost to the Lions at the end. Like, Love's been a part of this team. Now, can LaFleur get this thing going? The, the X factor is, you know, McCarthy's going up against that Packers logo. They fired him, obviously, as Ooh. a Super Bowl winning coach. Does, does that game. come into play? I don't know. I, I love this Packers team. They're so young. They're so fun to watch. And Love is, really looks majestic out there. I just don't know if this is the year. I think this might be a year away from us talking about them as legitimate wild card winners in a first round. And if gosh, if the them, Cowboys lost, dude. What, what are you serious if the Cowboys lose this game? If you're taking them, you have to think they can win. So his rock bottom was that Vegas game. Week five, Jordan Love, three picks, no TDs. And we're like, ooh. They were two and five at one point. His last eight games or his last four games, he's nine touchdowns, zero picks. And I've watched all of them. The eye test backed it up. Like he just looks really comfortable now. He knows where to go and what to do. And his footwork's great and he's super confident. And there's another piece of this. This is yeah. this is why I make the big bucks. Let's go. This is like an interesting Aaron Rodgers week, right? Oh, sure I'm gonna is. say Aaron Rodgers, the stock took some hits over the last two weeks. If love wins this game. Oh baby. It is a really fun moment. If you're a Packer fan, because yeah. I can't say the Rogers thing was that much fun the last few years. No. And then you have this new guy much maligned. Why did we take this guy? Did it cost us a title that we didn't take a receiver there? And now he's like the future of the team. And they've gone from Favre to Rogers to Jordan Love, who's looked like real guy. He could also suck in this Dallas game. And that's why I think this is the most fascinating of the six games. I can't if wait da- for it. If Dallas blows it, McCarthy's gone. Every All the good work Dak did this year is out the window. Like he could have been an MVP in other years. The Dallas fans lose their mind. Sal is like borderline suicidal on my podcast that night. Um, the stakes feel really high, and I think the Packers can give them a good game. Let me throw this at you, though. Mm-hmm. Dallas's defense, we all think they have a good defense. But it is a little gambly of a defense, right? It's relied on turnover and turnover luck, and I do feel like you can get big plays in them and you can move the ball on them, and we've seen teams do it. You know, I we saw Miami do it, where mm-hmm. I, I do think there's a strategy where you can move the ball up and down the field on them. You just can't turn it over, and Love hasn't been turning it over. And Aaron Jones looked really good the last couple of weeks. And Dylan has been a really good backup all year. I just feel like they can keep the ball and move the ball and move the ball and move the ball. And then just get that one Dallas mistake, right? Yeah. And LaFleur, he's coming in. He knows Dan Quinn's defense inside and out. Now, I yeah. think there's, 
I think that, you know, I was, someone asked me, you know, what's different between this Dallas team and the last two? I think CeeDee Lamb is fucking awesome. And I think that's the difference here. Like CeeDee Lamb is a superstar. He had the greatest wide receiver season we've ever seen from a cowboy. Yeah, He's got better numbers than Michael Irvin ever had, better numbers than Drew Pearson and Des Bryant ever had. And he and Dak have it going on. Uh, There's that aspect. And there's also this like, Dan Quinn is beloved and he gets those defensive guys going. And like, I think this is his last year. I think he's going to be a head coach. So if they can rally around those two things, get CD Lamb the ball, don't get cute here. And then Dan Quinn, you know, this is the last ride. It shouldn't end on a wild card round. Let's actually ride this thing out. Um, it's, It's the classic thing of the Packers are young and don't know any better and have zero zero expectations, you know, beyond what it, and the Packers have the the weight of the world on their, and the Cowboys have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Talent wise, I don't think they're that far apart. Mm. There's also the Mike McCarthy and close games piece. Oh yeah, that's real. There's Dallas, which home field advantage when it's going great. On the flip side, if it gets a little, gets a little sphincter, tight in there let me the, set the, the scene. packers are up three early in the fourth quarter oh, what's say. the mood gonna be like in that stadium oh my god 7 30 eastern 4 30 pacific you know burkhart and olsen go down to aaron Anders. hey guys i just saw dak and and mccarthy talking obviously they're getting the guys together they've got to go on this one last drive like do you trust that this year unlike the last two years dak is going to be able to do it that that might be the difference Manifesto rules include beware the nobody believes in us team, but don't try to talk yourself into it. Never pick an underdog unless you genuinely believe they can win. When in doubt, gravitate toward one pick that would screw over the most gamblers and the single worst gambler you know. That is a Dallas tease. Yeah. Dallas will be in a lot of teases and a lot of money line parlays. So Absolutely. just be careful of that. And then beware of any team that reminds you of the 07 Giants. Packers? The 07 Giants y kind of feel. Lions, Rams. We talked about it uh, a bunch before. This is going to be the most visually satisfying offensive battle. I yeah. think there's going to be a lot of points, which anytime it seems so obvious there's going to be a lot of points, it usually <laughs> goes the other way. Yeah. And you end up with the guy fumbling the ball at the one-yard line and it goes outside the end zone and <laughs> or the QB sneak fumble in the one-yard. You know, you have one of those. Um, two really good offenses. I think Laporta, I thought he was the best guy in the Lions on the offense. I thought by the end of the year, I thought he was the most important guy they had and opened the door for them to do all kinds of things and not having him really matters. That was a huge, I'd like, if you were saying they lost St. Brown, I'd be like, all right, well, though, you mm-hmm. know, they got a couple other receivers and maybe Laporta and maybe they could work around it and just throw to Gibbs Mark on the back. I don't know how they replace Laporta. They, they can't. He's, He's amazing for them. He had 86 catches and 10 touchdowns as a rookie. And he it's, blocks. And he blocks his ass off. And he's got some swagger to him. He's, I think, statistically, like Gronk had uh, 10 touchdowns. I think Dick had more touchdowns as a rookie. And I think Keith Jackson, um, the great tight end, you know, had more receiving yards. But I think statistically, Laporta had the greatest rookie tight end season in the history of the sport. Like that was kind of their red zone guy. He was their guy. And, you know. Yeah. You talk about that that Dallas game, that Saturday night game. They didn't pass to him all game, and then when it mattered most, Golf is like on that final drive, Laporta, Laporta, yeah. Laporta, Laporta, because right. he's the guy. So you take him out. Um, it's massive. Really bad, a bad omen to lose that guy in Week 18 too. I know. Do you, 
what do you go back? Like, there was nothing to really play for. There was no way that the Eagles and the Cowboys were losing. I, I kick yeah. myself every year, like, because I'm like, you don't want to rest these guys. And and then you lose a Laporta, and it feels a little bit like Welker in that Week 17 game in 2010. Like, that was crushing to them. So, um, well, then you think loss. with the Rams, we watched them go into Baltimore a couple weeks ago and go toe to toe 15 rounds, Ernie Shavers, Ron Lyle style with them. Yeah. They just, they're like, here, all right, you got another haymaker? I got one too. And they just went, went, went. You could make a case they're QB, running back, two receiver. The, those four, putting together your big four, basketball with the big three and football with the big four. Mm-hmm. Their big four might be the best big four that we have in the playoffs. It's in the yeah. running. Yeah. Who would you have over it? No one. San Francisco? No. no. You, yeah, and, I mean, would you do Purdy, McCaffrey, and Ayuk, and Debo over those four? Maybe. It's an I, argument. No, I think Kyron Williams finished second in the league in rushing, and he missed five games. Like, what are we talking about? Like, I think the numbers bear out that when those four are on the field together, Cup, Stafford, Nakua, and, and Williams, they're the number one offense in the league. They're there. Would you have so, Williams top four running back right now? After McCaffrey? Is he in the running for second? Yeah. Yeah, the way they were running, right? The way they use them. Yeah, he might be number two. Yeah. And then Stafford, Stafford coming back. Stafford coming back. Look, the irony of the of the beat down Lions fans who uh, now have their best chance to real make a real run in a long time. Then their old guy comes back. And then Goff McVay. I just I hate the spot for Detroit. I don't like it. it. They could have had any other matchup, and I would have been like, of all those six and seven and five teams, I would have been like, okay, Detroit, they've been playing great all season. They win on prime time. They don't lose. Like besides that Dallas game, everything's gone their way this year. It's a miracle season. Well, I can't, in good faith, I can't take Dan Campbell and Jared Goff home or away over Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. They've just been through too much. Like they're just McVay's experience. McVeigh is in the coach of the year running too, I think. Yeah. For like we talked about Stefanski, D'Amico Ryan's, and then McVeigh, who was his team was supposed to win five games. I also like that it's on the road, which they're totally comfortable with because every game for them is kind of semi on the road because they they're half of the Ram games, there's always even the home games, fifty thousand fans of the other team there. But it's inside. So yeah, it'll be loud, but they're used to that. They've been in a bunch of big games. They're gonna have the first quarter and a half scripted out perfectly third and eight third and seven the ball's just going to keep moving because those guys are going to get open i think they can win I, I it's probably my favorite pick other than the browns i'm torn lions have been so good and that offense is so good and i really respect the coach and the offensive coordinator it's it's going to be it's good i think that the first 10 minutes how raheem's defense comes right. out is going to be so huge because I, I think the I think both teams are have the capability to put up a ton of points in this game. And as loud as that defensive crowd, like as loud as that Detroit crowd is going to be, I don't think Stafford, McVay, Cup, those guys have been through it, man. They've been through it. Like they're not going to be all of a sudden nervous now. If there's false starts and there's missed kicks and special teams kills them, fine. Well, so the special teams is the part it's real. that's scary. That's real. It's we didn't mention Aaron Donald, and we should have. I don't think he was the best guy in the league this year, but he's still in the in the yeah. short circle of five. Okay. And we've seen him have stretches this season where he's just on your TV for like ten yeah. minutes straight, ripping. It's like ripping there's Aaron Donald around. again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a bet on FanDuel Rams to win the first half, Rams to win the game plus 250. 
So you could do that instead of the Rams money line, which is plus 140. It's not enough value that I would totally go in on it, but I'd be surprised if they lost the first half and won the game. Because I think the Lions playing ahead are much scarier than the Lions where it's like, oh shit, we're down 14-7. Oh, Goff just fumbled a shotgun snap. I can't under or oversell like just how hyped that place is going to be. Like I talked to the Lions guys, obviously, and yeah. they're all excited. But like the the marketing staff, the in-game operations staff, I mean, we're talking 30. But sometimes that's bad. In the old days, in I the know. old days, that was better. Now it's like you have quarterback coach headsets. I, know. I just don't think noise matters in quite the same way. And you have Stafford, who's the most experienced QB we have in the league. What's a, what's a win for golf in this game mean for him and his legacy? Yeah, so if you did winners from this game. Like golf winning that game. Golf winning the game is number one. I think Stafford winning a playoff game in Detroit would be two. It's almost sinister, man. No, but (laughs) it's like, it's not his fault. Like it was time for him to go. But I mean, him coming back and cementing that. And there's some Stafford Hall of Fame stuff too that he's probably in anyway. Hey, I think there's Stafford Hall of Fame stuff. I think there's Flacco Hall of Fame stuff. Suddenly we reopen the door to that. Like if Flacco can go on a if run. They make right the now, AFC title game. Yeah. Look, Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner's in this, the Hall of Fame with, you know, one Super Bowl win and did that, took him all the way back with the car. I think, you know, Flacco's numbers are huge. Stafford's numbers are huge. So it's, it's there. Last question for me. I love play, flipping the table. Um, Stafford pregame reception, just booze all along. Or is there that moment? Oh, I heard you that, and Kyle talking about yeah, this. What do you think? No, you, you, you're you booing. Boo the, boo yeah. the shit out this of guys, me. This guy's, thank you for everything. You're on the other team uh, now. No we, video we don't like you. None of nah, that garbage. fuck that. You're the enemy. Yeah. I like the Rams plus three. I think, I personally think that line drops day of to, to Lions two and a half would be my pick. Uh, but I'm grabbing it now. And then the last one is just the fucking, anybody who says they know what's happening to Eagles Bucks is lying. I don't know I what to it. make of this game. Eagles minus three is the line. It's in Tampa. Tampa has a home dog. Be careful. Uh, Tampa, a little nobody believes in us. Um, not sure of the Tampa home field advantage. There's red flags in the manifesto both ways. Baker Mayfield versus Hurts. Hurts got hurt mm. in the last week. Hurt his finger. They said he hasn't thrown a football yet in practice. That's terrifying. AJ Brown is going to be out. And I can't believe I'm even doing this, but uh, Bucks. Plus three is where I'm leaning, Shriggs. I'm not even, I have nothing to offer. I have no idea on this one. This is one of those where well, I'm maybe so take sorry. The points then. I know, I know uh, that I've watched both these teams over the last few weeks and neither one of them has exactly looked playoff caliber. I think the Eagles defense is broken and done. It's just, it's, it's a done deal. Well, the so story, if the they story win, it's their week. offense and their offense is banged up. Story last week, and it's like you know Jordan Mailata, who I love, comes out big Australian, six foot eight, you know rugby player. Says AJ Brown organized a uh, an escape room, and we all went on an escape room. I'm like, all right, that's cool, that's something. It's like they get blown out by the Tyrod Taylor and Tommy DeVito Giants in a game they were trying to win. Like I, I don't know where you come back from that. And I, yeah, dude, I Buccaneers. I saw them with all the marbles and Fox sends their A crew and they lose to the Saints and then last week barely get by the Panthers if it's not for an Antoine Winfield amazing play on the goal line. Like, neither one of these teams look good. I would say 
go with whatever team or just stay away and enjoy it and watch it. Go with God. Just go with God. There's a same game parlay I was looking at. Tampa plus three. If Tampa hangs in this game or covers or possibly wins, one person on the Bucks has to have a good game. And we know who that person is. And he's done it for them over and over and over again. And he's going against a team that is ill-equipped to cover him. And we have seen this guy just demolish teams. We saw him last year in the last game of the year against Carolina when it was like basically winner goes to the playoffs and he just murdered Carolina. He's done it a couple of times this year. If you go against him in fantasy in the wrong week, you're like, fuck, he's got 35 points. The Mike Evans, anytime touchdown scorer, Mike Evans, 100 plus yards, Tampa plus three is basically five to one. If you take the Tampa plus three, you might as well throw in Evans stuff because... I don't see how they beat Philly if Evans doesn't do stuff. And if I'm a Philly fan, I am petrified of Mike Evans in this game. Mike Evans came into this season 30 years old, all these consecutive thousand yard seasons. So they want a new contract. The Bucs say, we're not giving you a new contract. He comes out publicly and is like, all right, it's my last season as a Buccaneer. I'll be a free agent. And everyone's like shrugs. He's going to get crazy money this year. <laughs> it was awesome this crazy. year. Crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like Godwin, Godwin also like, total team guy and all this stuff. And then, you know, his wife went on social media, was unhappy after a game. And then that looked like that was, and then Godwin answers with like two huge games himself. Like those two guys are such pros. They're so good that Baker, get those guys the ball. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles season ends on Monday night. Yeah. I'm leaning that way too. I mean, there, there's also a scenario where Baker is just awful. Cause we saw that a couple of weeks ago. You, you catch Baker in the wrong game and he's getting hit and it's third and 17. And it's like, Oh my God, I forgot. But Hurts being hurt, no A.J. Brown. So if you're taking the Eagles, go the other way. Put Devontae Smith in some of your props because they're going to need him. But this Eagles team has the whiff of like, oof, yeah. what do we do now? You don't think is there's been some buzz like this could be a possible Belichick team. I, I just don't think Nick Sirianni. I, I think he's a really good coach. Um. I'm not buying it, but you don't think there's any chance, right? That no, I they think, would move on him. I think when you saw AJ Brown come out and say that, you know, they've got Nick's back and Brian Johnson's back and they support like Sirianni hasn't lost the team at all. I don't I don't see that. Now Howie Roseman is, you know, always one to, you know, go for the 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 free agent player and make the big move and and take a big swing. Belichick would be the biggest swing of all, but I, I don't see I don't see I don't see them moving on from Nick, but you know, we'll see how Monday night goes. Could I talk you into a Chiefs money line? Bucks adjusted to plus seven and a half, even odds. You could do whatever you'd like, my friend. You know, does that scare you at all? <laughs> Who would you put with Chiefs money line? Because we got a little leeway. We could take the Steelers to like plus 14. You could take the Rams up to seven and a half. But then, you know, I'd rather bet the Rams straight up. You could take the Packers to like 10 and a half. Yeah. You don't like any of this. Thanks for the help. Yeah, I'm really helpful. Um, the Bucks Rams plus are, seven and a half. You think the Eagles are going to beat the Bucks by ten? I you think, don't. You I think don't, there's going to they're going to be able to shut down the backdoor cover down the stretch with the Bucks down fourteen, just moving the ball the, on them. I don't think that's happening, and I don't think the Lions are blowing out the Rams. So do with what do that. I mean, those those are the games that I think. Now the Packers, bro. We could wake up Monday morning and it was forty five ten Cowboys. That that could happen. That's legit. Yeah, that's, like, that's a straight up. I'm not putting on anything. Um, all right, before we go, coaching stuff. Yeah, right, what else do you have? Who's the who's the hot guy? Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson's the hot guy. Raheem uh, Morris. 
Raheem Morris will get his interviews. I, Jim Schwartz by, somehow not a hot guy with the, not a best, hot guy. the best unit in the league. Not hot. Jim Schwartz and Lou Anarumo are basically like yeah, it's whatever. Mastermans, but they're yeah. they're just not going to be hired. Well, Big Lou was going thirty second in defense this year, probably or whatever. Probably some them. of the stats they're are pretty bad. They're this not going to they not get an interview though. Um, yeah. What's interesting is you know, because of these new rules, Harbaugh and Vrabel can technically interview over the next ten days when the coaches who are currently coordinators on playoff teams cannot. So Ooh. I wonder if one of these teams now, of course they got to satisfy the Rooney rule stuff. So they will have to interview other candidates, but I wonder if some of these teams try to get ahead of things. And, you know, Bill, I Vrabel would be your pick if you're new England, if you had to make a choice as a fan. Or you yeah. Do I have to give up a kidney or is no. it just straight? What do I have to give up? Nothing. One of my dogs. I'll I'll give up Jesse. Is I'll, it that? I'll, is it is it that much of a number one over? Do I have to give Jesse to the crafts to make yeah, it happen? Jesse's I got to keep good. Murph. Murph's a keeper. He's a franchise Murph is guy. Good. But I would trade good. Jesse if it was the right deal. You don't have to trade anybody. My These wife guys. would be so mad if she heard this. <laughs> you you play favorites, my wife. That's what she gives me. That's, you it. play favorites with dogs. I'm like I just <laughs> love Murph. Murph's my guy. Uh, yeah, Vrabel. It gets dicey though. Rooney rule combined with, I don't know what they promised Gerard Mayo because it seemed like he was potentially going to Houston and then it didn't happen. And then he's sticking around, allegedly the coach in waiting. And then you're like, no, actually, here's Mike Vrabel. That's awkward. But maybe, you know, people have made promises before. People get fired every year. You hire a coach, you fire him, and maybe that. that guy. And also, I think, I think to something that, Others have said, I'll echo it. Like, I think Jonathan Kraft's taking a bigger role as, as oh, the bigger. Are going He's on. running the team. So That's I, why think, I did the tweet. I did the Vito Corleone, uh, Michael Corleone <laughs> tweet the other day. Yeah, he's running it now. So, whatever was said in previous years, like, I, you know, and like I said it on Good Morning Football today. Now, when George Seifert took over for Bill Walsh, it was after a Super Bowl title. When Mike Martz took over for Dick Vermeil, it was after a Super Bowl, you know, title. They went three thirteen and one. So if you want to make the excuse to Mayo and say, "I know your defense was good, but like we're just going to scrap the whole thing," I think you can stand on that argument and say, "Well, Vrabel came available." And the timing. Just FYI, is- we went three and fourteen. Three and fourteen. I'm sorry. You said three thirteen and one. I was I was, I was excited because that actually sounded better. You gave us that a was tie. What, that was what the Texans finished last year. That number has been yeah. in my head. The other thing is Pete Carroll being done. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's going to be a senior advisor." But they. Uh, no, no way. Carol, he wants to coach. So it's like, where's his place? And I look at Southern California where everyone was penciling in Jim Harbaugh yes. to go with Herbert. Yes. But like, yes. you live there. Does yes. he still have the cachet as a Trojan? Oh my God. People love yes, those right? USC teams. Yeah. Oh. Come back. Come back. to Come back. We'll give you a podcast, Pete. You know, We did some good stuff together. Flying coach season one. Great. Flying coach season Flying two. coach season Terrible. four. Pete Carroll's uh, in LA. You know, honestly though, it's like, he, and I saw Richard Sherman quietly tweeted like, oh, I think the Chargers would be a fun thing. Like, And they were all hanging out last night. Like, he uh, and, and Sherman. Like, I wonder if... Plus, they have a QB. Got a great QB. And they've got a new team and a market that has a lot of room for them to get some buzz, which they do not have at the moment. And they're opening up a new beautiful facility in Orange County. Like, if you want to talk about moving the needle, Harbaugh makes sense and probably is the more... Uh, splashier hire, but then Pete Carroll has like the roots and that market for Pete, the needle would be moving in a totally different way than if they hired Harbaugh. So I'm fascinated by the Chargers and uh, um, that, that, those, those names being on the market make this thing a little different than recent years where it's like, here's the, the really hot offensive coordinator name to watch. So let's do, let's do a coach draft before we do that though. Um, Pete, 
I wouldn't say he was technologically super savvy. And Craig Horlbeck used to have to walk him through how to record his audio and send it to us. But he did send it every time. And Craig said it was one of the great achievements of his career to pull that off. And by the end, Pete was humming. He was sending it to us. Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers, 0 for 4. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Craig Horlbeck, a, a year later, had to go to Sean McVay's home in Encino, California, and not only set it up, but walk him through also. And Sean, right. Sean McVay nailed it. Doc Rivers, yeah. 0 for 4. <laughs> sent, sent Kyle a blank file. I'm giving you shit, Doc. Uh, we're by the end of this year, it's gonna it's gonna happen. We can feel blank it. Blank file. Tough start. We he's two blank files in a row from Doc. But Pete, uh, it was really fun to work with Pete. Yeah. So all right, coach draft. So let's let's instead of doing predictions, we'll just say most fun. Pete to the Chargers would be amazing. And also like would give them something of an identity because right. right now they have zero identity. Um where does Bill Harbaugh, go? Harbaugh to Washington? No. I don't no? see that. No, I see them going young, um, young offensive or defensive coordinator, whether it be like a Ben Johnson type or Mike McDonald, who's the coach of the the Ravens at at the moment on the defensive side is like 38 years old. So what's the most assistant. fun Harbaugh team then? The Chargers, what everyone is saying, but now you start looking at it and it's like, is there a Harbaugh team? Are we sure there's a Harbaugh team? Now remember, he interviewed for Denver twice last time around. He interviewed yeah. with the Vikings. And didn't get those jobs. Now there's debate whether he backed out himself or those teams just kind of shied away. But like if if Harbaugh doesn't get the Chargers, I guess the Raiders would be the next team I'm thinking oh, of. But they're like already that. paying they're already paying Gruden, Ziggler, and McDaniels millions and millions and millions of dollars. The argument for them would be bring back Antonio Pierce or hire another, you know, maybe a younger coach and you don't have to pay a $10 million, $15 million salary. And you can kind of take that that hit financially. Um, but Has I think, any team ever done the just year-to-year coach? It's like, Antonio Pierce, we haven't moved on, but we're still not sure. Right? Here's Carried a one-year deal. It's just year-to-year. No, I don't know that in, in in my knowledge, no. But it's it's not the craziest thing. We're like, we like you. We like you, but we're not sure. <laughs> one more year. Let's see more. Let's, let's... Uh, Belichick, we need to find a landing spot for. I don't see him being out of work. Well, we next. need to know what happens with Buffalo and Philly and Dallas because, and this Atlanta was the case I like, made in my little YouTube thing. Like, okay, he could get, he could break Shula's record in two years on one of the playoff teams. Totally. Right. Yeah. And get the seventh thing. And it's just, to me, it's gotta be, if that's what he wants, it's gotta be one of those teams. If it's a, let's build something for the next four to five years and pay me some obscene amount of money. It's Atlanta. We know Atlanta yeah. wants them. And yeah, Arthur Blank, and, I don't know how old he is now, but he's at least in his 70s. And Belichick beat him once upon a time. And now so he could just sense. hire him. He gives just, him so much credibility and just get a quarterback and we're ready to roll. Just get a quarterback. That's tough. But yes, yeah, just they don't have a top pick. Um, you know, the other they don't have it, a top pick, but they do have the eighth pick, which could allow them to move into one, two, or three if they needed to. Or they can be aggressive in free agency. Now, someone sent me a note. Like, you know, Justin Fields to Atlanta with Belichick. I'm like, I don't yeah, know. Maybe trader's second round pick. And it was like, what if, what if Kirk Cousins, you know, suddenly becomes available? Cousins with them down right. to Atlanta, something like that. That's interesting. With Belichick. The, uh, the Washington thing is interesting. So as we record this, Adam Peters and Ian Cunningham are the finalists for the general manager job. You and I have spoken off record about my appreciation for Adam Peters as he's like San Francisco's man, but also had a great history in New England and Denver. I yeah. think Adam would be great. Now, Adam's, 
going to obviously have a role if he gets hired by Washington in the, the head coaching position. So that's interesting. Carolina is interesting in that you've got this owner who is this, you know, giant presence, but they've got to hire a GM and a head coach. And that's going to be an interesting they have match. No first round pick and they just went two and 15. Yeah. Is that like, and you're you know, in Carolina. Yeah. So, ben and your Johnson, quarterback might not be a guy. Ben Johnson said no last year and they offered him that he's going to interview again. It says like, do you take Bobby Slowick from the Houston Texans and hire a GM and just say, okay, let's go. Or are they trying to make a major swing? Well, and Ben Johnson can't do Atlanta because they already hired the hot shit play caller. And it's like, Arthur Smith, if you yeah. date, if you date the brunette, who's a little ditzy and crazy for three years, you don't just get another brunette who's ditzy and crazy. Like you're at least, you're at least zagging a tiny bit. Yeah. They can't do uh, a second play caller. Like they they'll probably go in need defensive identity and go that way or Belichick. Tennessee, you you read a lot of the stuff. I think the, Diana Versini actually had a really good comprehensive article and everything I've heard kind of lines up with her stuff, but uh Rabel kind of the biggest voice in the room and Yeah. She wanted it to be her it. team. The Pat Bowen syndrome. That. I love the Pat Bowen. Yeah, it's I wanted my team back from Dan Reeves. Come on, you've heard it. So I think like, that's Jonathan Kraft. He's like, I wanted my team back. I've, I've been waiting for my dad to give me this team. I want my team. I want to build my team. Um, Raheem Morris is going to be a name, especially if they play really well this week. We've talked a lot about Raheem Morris, maybe too much about Raheem Morris on this podcast, but Bobby Slowick's going to be a name. Brian Callahan's going to be a name to watch. He's the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati who works hand in hand with Joe Burrow. They actually... I mm. think offensively, the way that Jake Browning was ready to go, I yeah. feel like they actually had a really good year offensively. Um, and then you've got like Ajiro Evero, who's currently the defensive coordinator in Carolina. He's interviewing for the Atlanta job. Evero, you'd say, you don't want the defensive coordinator for the Panthers. Panthers, I think, finished like fourth in the league in defense. Yes, yeah, they were good. And and he's one of McVay's guys. And McVay would you trade things. a Would you trade a second-round pick for Jake Browning? Possibly. Would you trade a second-round pick for Justin Fields? In five seconds. Yeah. Jake Browning on the right kind of team. I, I'm actually a believer. I thought he was pretty good. He was really good. Is he better than Desmond Ritter and some of the guys we watched last year? Absolutely. Um, all right. Pete Carroll, the Chargers. That's a fun one. Shrigs. Yo. Uh, I'm going to be doing million dollar picks later. Thank you for your counsel. As always, it was great to see you. Say hi to the good morning football gang. Tell, uh, tell J Mac, I thought he was really good as a game announcer this year. Man, thank you. We I don't have a lot that. of game announcers that I enjoy that much. And I thought he was uh, really good. Like, pl- like top five for me. I'll pass that along. He loved doing it. CBS should consider him at a very high level because I think he cut through this year. Um, he's doing, this is, this is actually fun inside baseball stuff. He's doing the radio on Westwood One this yeah. weekend, Houston versus Cleveland. His partner is Ian Eagle. Now that's the oh, radio. That's crew. a good team. Ian Eagle's son is doing the television of the game with Todd wow. Blackledge on Big NBC. So, oh, that's awesome! I texted Ian last night. I said, "I think uh, Jason got screwed. He should have Noah on the call. He's the far better play-by-play guy." And that's you know, that's Ian. Yeah, the old LOL. You had to say it. Uh, <laughs> Shrags, good to see you. You're the man. Thank you for having me on. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Mike Lombardi and Peter Schrager. Don't forget, part two is coming much later tonight. Joe House and um, we're going to do million dollar picks and maybe some other stuff. So see you for part two in a little bit.
Must be 21 plus and president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 